A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to Ranland. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 7. I, I see you've put some pronunciation notes in here for me. Thank you, John. I saw that. Here. I saw this title, and I was uh-huh. like, I'm going to write this out for him. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Day is Daymar. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. The the great game it translates to in the Oh, very time. cool. Okay. Hey, oh, and you know, uh, I know we're going to do the talk about feedback, but I think somebody sent in some feedback with a uh, linguistic quote, so we have to talk about that. Nice. When we get to, yeah. Nice. Anyway. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our September podcasting schedule, followed by our White Tower segment, where Alicia Sadai and I do a deep dive into the lore of the books. For early access, ad-free episodes, and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Also, we'd like to ask if you are enjoying our podcast coverage of all the shows and projects that we're working on, consider leaving us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts is the best place as it helps to raise our profile even as far away as the ideal waste. Specifically on the Wheel of Time, we've got a new feed set up just for this show. So if you're only interested in that content, subscribe to that channel. Our main feed has all of our content where you can find that uh, by searching The Lorehounds on YouTube, Spotify, or any other podcasting service. And we'd love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air. So send us feedback for the next episode. As a reminder, we're recording these, well, maybe not this particular one, but uh, generally, well, we only got one more to go too, right? Yeah. So uh, um, we have uh, had access to screeners, so we've been recording these a little bit in advance, but uh, we've got a good pileup of email today, so um, lots of exciting feedback, and we're going to do, I don't know what we're doing for our season wrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got a little bit more feedback. Send emails to wot at thelorehounds.com or head to our website thelorehounds.com and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form you can also post a message in our discord server and uh we can include those as well links to all of that is in the show notes david yes sir what'd you think of this episode now that we're a couple days past i should i should preface this by saying 
we had sick family and and just life <laughs> got in the way this week and just our recording got pushed. So apologies for the little bit later this week, although it's it's going to be out the day after the episode. So that, that'll be all right. Yeah, it's um, not too bad. Right. So anyway, we uh, we have finally gotten together. We are talking about the episode. What'd you think? Yeah, it was. Um, I'm still there's still so much that I'm trying to learn and, and sort of orient myself to. And there's some I don't know if it's just the screener quality or if it's a production, you know, or if, if there's some post processing that they didn't do for our copies. But there's just some stuff that I didn't feel was great in, with production. Okay. Okay. Um, but you I know, did I'm watch it on today. Prime to this morning and I thought uh-huh. it looked great. Okay. Um, and I and I do know that our our screeners are a lower resolution, so it's going to be lacking that polish. Yeah, it's not, I in, wonder it's if... not in 4K. It's not not in Ultra HD, whatever. Right. Um, so right. yeah, yeah. And I wonder if there's some color grading and some other post production effects that they're uh, able to put in that yeah that they didn't because I think they make the screeners available earlier. I don't know. Anyway, um, a couple things. I feel like I'm finally. We're finally getting into I, it very early in the season. It felt like a lot of track being laid and a lot of setup being done. Very typical, right, for a show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I feel like now I'm like, oh, OK, now we're getting into characters. Now we're getting into motivations. Now we're mm-hmm. we're seeing plots. You know, we set something up and now it's actually starting to pay off or we're exploring it a little bit more. So I felt that these last couple of episodes I'm getting a little bit more immersed into the world. And then I'm feeling a little bit like, dang, there's only eight episodes. <laughs> I know. know I, I just, know. I'm just getting going. And then whoop, the, the season's over. So we'll see. But I yeah. think they did season three already, right? They filmed season three already or started filming it before the strike. I, I think they wrapped it. I think wow. it's done. Okay. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd yeah, be really so great. Maybe next year we'll get it. Uh, we need something next year. Yeah, well, we ha- I think there's going to be plenty next year. I think yeah. I think we're going to have a little hitch, but they they banked enough content. Yeah, um, I, th- I think so. the first half of the year might be a little bit a little bit uh, slow, I don't know. but we'll see. There's some there's some good stuff coming up. Also, yeah, didn't they wrap Rings of Power right early in the writer strike? I think they did, or it was overlapping a little bit, but it wasn't as yeah. affected because it was a UK production. I, I think mark, the main the main thing was they only had a couple reshoots left to do, so the re- okay. the acting strike had not started yet. And so they just went through it without the writers for the last couple of reshoots, which, you know, debatable on that, debatable (laughs) on that, the effects of that. But uh, at least we will get something next year, probably. Yeah. So the one other uh, kind of issue that I had uh, with this is it it, there feels like there's a little jetpacking going on. And for those who don't know what we mean by jetpacking, that's a term that was sort of invented for the end of the last couple of. Mm-hmm. seasons of game of thrones where characters would suddenly yeah. pop up across the continent or some faraway mm-hmm. place and then pop back to e- where except they were. there's an, an explanation in the lore in this universe right so yeah there is because of the the, <laughs> the dream um, world tell yes, on the road. G- tell yes, you can I, say dream world it's okay yeah, I know. I was trying to remember what the the phrase. Teleron Riode. Teleron Riode. If I can say uh, Arrow Arugula, I can say Teleron <laughs> I need some practice. Um, anyway, uh, I just it it did feel a little bit of jetpacking, and maybe that's there is a well developed geography for this world, and I have not fully understood that yet. I'm I'm being very careful about going on the internet looking for answers. Yeah, don't. 
I, I, I think I, there is a show only wiki. Okay. But I don't know which one it is, and I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm going to give them the wrong information, then we're going to get angry feedback. <laughs> That's right. I did look up somebody today because I wanted to understand what tribe uh, she's from. And then I mm-hmm. like got spoiled because the Uh-oh. Google paragraph which one? thing. Um, what's her name? Are, are, what's her name? Avienda. Avienda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She yeah. is a, a maiden. Of, what's going? What got spoiled for you? I I, I want to know off air. <laughs> but yeah, it was in the Google search, and I was like, oh damn. Yeah. Uh, don't okay. don't. I should have said that earlier in the season. Do not Google any of these names. If you no. Google Egwene, you will have a major plot point spoiled by autocomplete on Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do not I, do I, it. I wanted to look up uh, the actor who plays Egwene today, and I, I just put Egwene actor, and then I just made sure that I only looked at that. You know, <laughs> yeah, the autocompletes are brutal for the Wheel of Time. Really are. Yeah. Really are. Yeah. I so mean, great in other reasons, it. but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled, do not Googles. Right. Do not do the Googles. You can write so anyway, in if you have questions. You know, we're here. Or go yeah. to the Discord. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of chatter on the Discord last couple mm-hmm. days, wasn't there? Yeah, a lot of debate over Varen's veracity in her statements. Okay, interesting. I kind of stayed out over the last couple of days um, just because I know we were waiting to um, get our recording schedules lined up. And I, I wanted to come in with, you know, my, I, kept I wanted my hot, my hot takes fresh. There you go. Right off the griddle. Yep. Cool. So, and, and for you, what did you guys uh, think? I know uh, you did your White Tower segment with Alicia. Yeah, yeah. Which I haven't my, had a chance to way. talk to Alicia in a while. I hope she's enjoying it as well. I assume she's she loving it. She's okay. loving it. And uh, I, I, I'm loving it too. I, by the way, if you listen to the White Tower segment today, you may hear some children going, shouting each other's names in the background because, um, you know. Life. We, <laughs> yeah, life I had to record. I never record really when they're awake, but in this case i just had to because of the way that my schedule was going this week and yep yep so you may hear some children sounds and it's fun right. it's yep. fun yeah anyway anyway i really like this episode i know alicia did too this felt like a breath of fresh air to me because last really? episode felt so suffocating sure yeah i can and in that. a good way right it was yeah, supposed yeah, yeah. to be suffocating and so this was great there were a lot of satisfying conclusions thing to things uh, they finally resolved the is Moraine still thing, which I never thought she was, but I was tired of it anyway. I was tired of the, <laughs> the discourse around it. Okay. Right. And, less, uh, less so in the show. Yeah. And then hopefully she can be less insufferable. Yes. She she was awful in the show. And I, I think that they let that linger too long. I, I understand bit. what they were going bit. for with it, but I think that it overstayed its welcome. Mm-hmm. And I think it really negatively impacted the view of the character that a lot of people had. And that's a shame. That's a big shame because she's a great character. Uh, And that's one of those decisions that a showrunner and the writers have to make. And, and it's like salt a a little too much and uh, it's, it's not great. And then a little too little and you're, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing to hit the, the just right spot. Yeah, that's probably my main criticism of this season overall. Structurally, I think that they left Moraine stilled. Sorry, she wasn't stilled. Left Moraine shielded too long. Mm-hmm. And they left Moraine mean to everyone for mm-hmm. too long and just yeah. like insufferably mean, right? Like unnecessarily mm-hmm. mean to her nephew and whatnot. And it's just it's just very hard to watch. And just it didn't really add anything to the character. Like, what do you get out of that? What did we get out of that for that character? All we learned was that when she's in a tight spot, she gets mean. That doesn't do anything for motivations or the story or anything. I mm-hmm. I don't understand why they did that for so long. 
I think too, that's one of those writer's tricks that, uh, and I get, <laughs> I was on, I think I went on probably a little too long, too much about it last episode. I think it was where it's like, we don't have time. We must go now. It's like, no, take ter- two seconds and explain to me what the hell is going on. And then we can save all this drama and, and whatever mm-hmm. and get to the real stuff. I, I really, it really annoys me when, when that gets done. And, and it kind of was working in a bigger way with Moraine in this season. Like you said, they just, for what, what purpose we, we get it. We know we needed, you know, land to peel off and then come back again mm-hmm. and a couple of little setups here or there, but yeah, it, it, it went on too long and it felt like a little too cheap of a writer's trick to push drama. Yeah. I mean, the we only thing that, that we learned about this character is that she gets grumpy when she can't channel. Right. That's it. Right. That's it. Anyway, that's my biggest complaint and it's a pretty <laughs> small complaint. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm loving this season. I think they did a fantastic job adapting it. I think that I'm I'm wondering how you feel about Ren now, because I think he's finally starting to be a person and less of a mopey kid. Yes, I <laughs> we could talk about it when we get to some of those scenes. But yeah, I think, again, maybe all except for one character, I'm starting to see some depth and complexity. And that's what I, I want from any show mm-hmm. is I want to see character development. Yeah, the kids are growing up. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be growth, right? It could just be development. Yeah. You know, you could start in a good place and end in a bad place or start in a bad place and in a good place, right? There's a, who is it? The Fahrenheit 451 author. Uh, Apologies. My memory is always. I can't think of it right now either. Um, You know know who who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It's a guy you like. Anyway, he, I think he gave a famous lecture where there's these like seven types of. uh, Oh, that's not Fahrenheit 451. That's Slaughterhouse 5. Slaughterhouse 5. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Kurt Vonnegut's lecture about, you know, these different starting places for characters and then yeah, the shapes and, of stories. Yes, that's it. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, you know, I, I again, I don't need I don't care what the trajectory is, just that there is a trajectory mm-hmm. and that a character's not locked into their uh, character. And I think there's only one one character in this story right now that is feeling locked for me, uh, which is Perrin. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can get that. Yeah. Uh, Perrin is not super popular, even in yeah. the books. I think that people, I think his arc through book six is pretty good. And then after that, he feels a little bit wasted at times. Mm-hmm. He has some cool moments, but I think that he was underdeveloped even in the books. Yeah, yeah. And I think you've mentioned that a few times as well. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see where it goes. But uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, all right. I think it's time we get into the episode breakdown. But first, we've got to do some production notes. David, you've never read the books. Correct. I've read all of the books, most of them multiple times. I think I think somebody wrote in feedback about that. They want to know my my uh, approach to the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about later. Did I see uh, that Marilyn Arpukila, our favorite Tolkien scholar, is finally cracking the books again? Oh, well, that's the book nook volume two. I've already decided. I don't know why we didn't talk about this, but I've decided it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Uh, we won't spoil ahead in the books. Uh, we will only make comparisons with events that have already happened in the show. So if something happened differently in the books and you've already seen it on screen, we'll talk about that. But that's it. Uh, for deep lore and book talk for all 14 books plus the prequel, stick around to the White Tower segment at the end. It'll be after the full breakdown. You'll get music. You'll get a big spoiler warning. So don't worry about it. Uh, We will not spoil you on this podcast unless you want us to. 
And I think you guys even do some general takes before you get into this. Yes. Yes. And then we do an ad break, which is just music if you're on the Patreon. And then we talk spoilers. Right. Yeah. So I know some people on the Discord were saying, gosh, I really want to hear Alicia's takes. And then they're like, (laughs) I'm afraid to go into the White Tower. (laughs) You can listen to the first part of it. And then when we say get out, (laughs) then then you can get out. (laughs) Stop it. Right. So, yeah. 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 So you, you have time. You have time. Cool. All right. David, let's get started on the episode. We Good start work. off 20 years before the start of the start of the show. Moraine and Swan trade dreams about the future in the White Tower. They visit the Aes Sedai Guitara with a message from the Amarlin seat that the Ail have retreated and the war is over. Guitara goes into a trance, tells them the dragon is being born on Dragon Mount, and charges them to tell no one and find him. Guitara dies, leaving Moraine and Swan staring at each other in disbelief. Did you like this exposition, David? No. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, yeah, no. It was, I, the the Swan and Moraine stuff was fine. Um, I like that the, we get a little bit more backstory on Moraine's family because she mentions her parents and siblings, so we get a little bit more about what's going on there. Um, I did have some questions uh, if you could fill me in a little bit about the war, but first, mm-hmm. just the it it's a device, you know, oh, the dragon's being reborn. Now I die. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, okay, you know, fine. Yeah. it 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 is a functional piece of plot device. Yeah, it's fine, but you did not win me <laughs> sure with that. Sure. so, but I'm not complaining about it either. I get it, right? You know, we had to. You don't want to spend too long in that backstory exposition stuff. You need to trigger your characters so that they can, you know, do the thing. And, and obviously, we have a big setup for later in this episode with Swan and, and Moraine and their relationship. Um, and so I felt all of that was fine. It was important. I understand the decision they made. I, it just didn't. The actual implementation of it just didn't mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. didn't didn't wow me. But you know, yeah. whatever. Part of it is I think you'll learn more about the war as we go on, so I don't want to tell you too much, but okay, cool. essentially this was a war between the Aiel and some wetlanders, as they say, right? Some uh, ranlanders. Okay, so and the Aiel are the tribe that Avienda is from, right? Or tribe the Aiel or are a full people. There are, there are different like the groups within the Aiel as well. Okay, right. Yeah, and she's a... I, I'm, Avienda is a maiden of the spear, so they kind of have two the warrior class groups. They mm-hmm. have two allegiances. They have their born allegiance, plus they have their um, their maidenhood. And you okay. see that they even have uh, sign language. They call it uh, maiden hand talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which, uh, you know, the Atreides had in Dune. They had a battle language that was. Uh, well, you know so. what? I can't I can't uh, <laughs> I can't it's defend fine. that. Stew. We're, 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 we're eating stew here. It's all yep, good. Yep, we're, yep. we're having fun. Yeah, um, they have they have some Dooney stuff going on here. For sure. For reals. Um, do, I, don't tell me. Yeah, like you said, don't tell me too much about the war with the Aiel. But was it like an invasion type of war or was it a sort of a natural conflict over borders and resources or what was the. There was a reason. A, there okay. was a reason. And cool. it was the Aiel came. They attacked Kyrian specifically, mm-hmm. and they left at a certain point. And depending on who you ask, the Aiel accomplished their goal or the Ranlanders drove them out. So what you're saying is the wheel weaves. 
the wheel weaves. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not it's not that spoilery, but I want the okay. show to be able to cool. yeah, to yeah, yeah. tell no, you in its own that. time, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah, I mean, I think that the the vision scene was done a little a little silly, but other than that, I think it was a good scene. I liked seeing Moraine and Swan in their in their youth, you know, dreaming about everything what could yep. have been. Yep. And it's really heartbreaking because you see them look at each other like why us? Mm-hmm. Why were we the ones in this room with this woman? Mm-hmm. Just by chance. And, right. And in so, a way. Yeah, but the wheel. So, you know, who knows? Chance right. or not. But yeah. In the books, and I think this is in New Spring, the prequel, um, they were accepted at the time, not Aes Sedai, not full Aes Sedai. And so that's why they weren't out helping with the war, mm-hmm. is they were kept in the tower. And they were actually with the Amerlin seat and with uh, Gitara. And Gitara, you know, did that foretelling in front of all of them. And the Amerlin goes, yeah, I need I need you two to help me with this, you know, because I don't have anybody else and I don't want to tell anybody else. OK, and interesting. then the Amerlin was later murdered, but they mm-hmm. just didn't involve the Amerlin with this. Right. Makes it it's, it's a little cleaner. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. And then it sets up a um, it sets up the, the bubble that these two characters have to live yeah. within uh, and puts them into dramatic conflict, not not um, not conflict, conflict, but you know what I mean? Tension. That's the word. It's I'm the inciting for. event, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Puts them in dramatic tension and it creates this secrecy bubble around them and, and gives them their their motivations. And stuff like right. That. So I think it's that all of that seems good to me in terms of right. motivations. Yeah. And I, I should correct myself, actually. The Amberlin seat that, that was referenced here in the books was not murdered. She died, and there was a little bit of funny business around it, right? Like, okay. they, uh, it's suspected that perhaps there was foul play. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that this is fine to give us our inciting event. It is interesting that the inciting event really happens 20 years before the start of the mm-hmm. series. Uh, and that's that's a pretty unique thing in the Wheel of Time, I think. So let's move on to the current Amberlin seat giving Moraine a scolding for withholding, wow, that rhymed, uh, (laughs) that she was stilled. Swan has decided to take a more hands-on approach with the dragon and requests to see Rand. More of uh, Moraine's stupid people decisions here, (laughs) you know, that she didn't tell Swan. And this was, um, I think I I liked that they gave us the uh, opening here with their little backstory 20 years before uh-huh. because it makes then everything else that's going on between Swan and, and Moraine more poignant and yeah more personal for sure and one of the things that um, I was thinking about with Moraine is that her betrayal of not telling Swan that she was you know quote unquote stilled is even more of a breaking of the trust than say Swan having to have Moraine do the swearing on the 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 rod, you know, for, to, mm-hmm. to obey her, because um, you know that at the end of this, right? There's a, there's a there's more drama between these two, but you know, Moraine not telling Swan because they they are responsible for this whole dragon stuff, finding the dragon, protecting him, training him, all of these kinds of things, and the fact that Moraine withheld a very important piece of information from Swan is a huge violation of Mm -hmm. what I perceive as their trust relationship, be be they lovers, be they just political allies, be they Aes Sedai allies, whatever. The whole thing 
that really breaks a, a huge bond of trust between them. So I think that when you look at Moraine, her biggest character flaw, and this is in both the books and the show, is that she always thinks she knows better. She mm-hmm. always thinks that she's the smartest person in the room. Big sister. Yep. And she is often right, but she's mm-hmm. not always right. And it takes mm-hmm. a long time for her to realize that. And I still mm-hmm. don't think she has at this point. She mm-hmm. started to a little bit with Rand giving him a choice. That was not really a choice um, <laughs> with the land fear thing. He's like, <laughs> hey, here's this opportunity to do something great, but it's your choice. Okay. So, yeah. well, th- they're pl- that's playing out well within the story. Yeah. And it's yeah. having a, a good impact in terms of we're all really frustrated and, <laughs> and upset with Moraine for her choices. So right. it's working. Yeah. And and even with the stilling, right? She thinks she's stilled. She's convinced she's stilled. Doesn't even consider it could be something else. It takes Len thinking outside the box to figure yes. it out. Which, you know, pivoting over to that conversation. Well, no, we're, we'll save it because it's yeah, going to we'll, come later. Let's save it. Let's yeah, save yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot where we were in the order of, of the scenes when things certain happen because we have now – we roll over into the conversation with Lan and, and Rand. So the next scene, as you said, is Lan telling Rand how to approach the Amarlin and observing his new sword forms and his mm-hmm. new practice with the sword. Yeah. I thought this was a really good conversation. I think maybe it was my second favorite scene out of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, Rand. He had a real funny smirk in his eye when he saw... Uh, Rand do uh, what is it crane dipping wing or whatever the I forget what the form (laughs) was but he was just like oh (laughs) aren't you cute isn't that sweet oh little baby dragon you know yeah yeah it was uh, it was really great and and (laughs) I like you know Rand is or not Rand Lan is is gone through some evolutions in this and and again they're giving me development with Lan and I'm seeing stuff go on with him and 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 I appreciate that he's not just this strong silent type you know warder person but he he's got motivations and he's trying to work something out which is you know he was on a mission with my range she cut him off yet he's still on the mission right and yeah. there's a scene later with Moiraine, which i think is really great because he, you we see that he has figured something out mm-hmm. and and so i i really appreciate what what they're doing with his character. Right. Yeah. Len is the primary sword tutor for Rand in the books, for at least early in the books. And um, so they hint really at that hasn't, a little bit here. Yeah. He really hasn't gotten a chance to do that in the show. No. Uh, I think book two even opens with a scene of them training. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hoping that they show a little bit more of that in the show. They get they get Rand some sword tutoring because he needs it. He really they laid some track <laughs> for it here. He needs yeah. a lot. Six months. Six months and you haven't learned squat. Anyway, uh, we'll get to It's the, a fair criticism. It, very fair. Um, I wanted to adri- just mention something to this thing that Land says, you know, one rule about being a man is to, you know, stand on your feet and, you know, okay, yeah, that's true. And I think that's a rule for everyone, <laughs> you know, no matter what your, you know, physiology or your, so, you know, how, how you relate to yourself, yeah. have values, have principles stand on those, face the world with them, be flexible. And if you have to change or reevaluate your values or your principles, that's part of life, right? We can't, Mm -hmm. we got to bend, we can't break. And sometimes we have to shift when we realize things, but this idea of just standing up and looking at, you know, being in, being 
looking at life from your feet is just a good general principle for everyone. It has nothing to do with gender. And so I was a little surprised that he said one rule about being a man. He could just say, yeah, if I'm, you know, if one I'm generous rule. about it. Yeah. If I'm generous about it, he's saying in, and he could have said it more clearly, like instead of a boy, one rule about being a man, a child, um, instead of being a, yeah. a child, yeah. be an adult. He could, have, he could have used gender neutral language. Yeah. There's a quote yeah. that Rand has in the books. I don't think he said it in the show that I really like, which is death is lighter than a feather duty, heavier than a mountain. And that is the way he he always says that to Rand. Interesting. Like your your duty is heavy and you have to bear it. Right. And we all have things that we have to deal with and process and carry in our lives. And some things we can't, some things we just have to carry, right? There's other yep. things we can put down or pick up. Yep. But anyway, let's not get too, too philosophical here. Right. But uh, I did like what he said and and he could have been... It was it was just a curious decision on the writers to be gender specific about it. So yeah, I mean, whatever. It's, it's Len. He's he's yeah yeah he's Len. And it's Jordan. I, I think right? the character kind of makes sense for. And and Jordan writing in the context, and you you're going to carry some of that. That is going to carry through no matter what. He's, he's also talking to a man. You know, what I mean, like yeah, it's, it's true. It's all right if you want to yeah. be a man. He is. Yeah. he is a man. You know, I don't. Right. I don't think it's. The I don't think it's as problematic man. as we're we're saying because he's talking no no to no. Man. I don't think it's problematic. I think it's more just yeah. an interesting asterisk. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Matt is knocked out at the foregate and wakes up in Falm to the Landfear Welcoming Committee. So this is where I got like a little head scratchy. It was like, wait, huh? Yeah. When in time and jetpacking and where are these two cities in relationship to each other? And if the Sanchan are there and they're so close, mm -hmm. I, it just it got they're not that close. They're they're on the opposite side of the continent. But see, that's what I thought. Um, but then, but then we do in a blink of an eye, Matt's there. He's been knocked out. That you know. Anyway, I'm no, not gonna. Cause, cause I'm not because Lanfear was there. She, we've seen her transport Rand to to Falm before. Oh, okay. Right? Like, we saw her show him uh, Egwene. That's true. I thought it was in, in Egwene's dreams, though. It's it's both. He, we, she can transport him through dreams. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's a thing you're just going to have to accept. <laughs> like, the jetpacking is canon in this. Okay. All right. And you haven't even seen the extent of what jetpacking can do yet. So <laughs> you're going to have to get used to it. I'm just going to tell you that now. That's fine. I, I didn't have a problem, quote unquote, problem with it. It was just like, huh? What? Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I was just a little confused. I was disoriented. I think the better word is disoriented. Yeah. Disoriented they, they can teleport they in there. this world. Just you, accept sure. it now and it'll be easier later. But perfect. I like it. Certain people can teleport. <laughs> fine. I, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I need to point out that those big stone circles with uh, yin yang symbols on them. Mm -hmm. I've pointed these out before. It was in the very first episode when they were having the dark friends social. Yep. And then with Ishmael here, what city are we in now? Sorry. Falm. Falm. Yeah. In Falm. And we've seen them in the background uh, of several scenes in while he's been in Falm. They're very clearly on display a couple yeah. of times yeah. in this the episode. ancient symbol of Aes Sedai. Okay. That's what so that is. I'm putting some, cause one of them was, was it broken? When he let Lanfear go, I'm pretty sure that's what was up on the ceiling. And then when they had the dark friend social, when the little girl was out in front of the, mm -hmm. the house, there was one that had fallen or something. But there's also one in the floor of the White Tower in the audience chamber okay. from season okay. one. So there, this is a symbol that's around. It's not just for the Forsaken. 
Sure, sure. It's it's a symbol that's around, but then what are these specific ones? Yeah. What's he doing with these specific ones? And yeah, what could, are could have something to do with it for sure. Yeah, yep. so I'm putting, I was going to put some uh, internet points on that, you know, maybe there's some more. Your wager has been accepted. Stored inside of these things. Yep, your wager yeah. has been accepted. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, who in the name of light are you? I loved that. Matt. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, I'm kind of the opposite of light, my dear. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, um, I've been noticing this season they've cut down on the real world cursing and they've leaned more into the book language, which okay. was one of my complaints about season one. So I'm glad that they've done that. And, you know, we, we've gotten flack about complaining about cursing in uh, in Foundation because it's right, taken right. us out. But, yeah, I, they really did take me out in the Wheel of Time. And I'll tell you exactly why, is that the Wheel of Time books have in-universe curse words. Swear words, yeah. Right. Just use them. About this. Just use them. It's part of the immersion. Anyway, okay. not a lot in this scene. Let's move on to Elaine and Nynaeve discussing next steps while walking through the city. Elaine takes charge of the situation to Nynaeve's horror and suggests they find Loyal. Meanwhile, Egwene is brought to be tested with the other Damane. Is this where the That's the look. The look, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was this one or later <laughs> when they actually meet Loyal, but Alicia had a funny little meme <laughs> that she put out on Twitter with uh, Nynaeve going. Yeah. <laughs> the the look shocked. on Nynaeve's face was Perfect. so funny. The actor did a really great job. I, th- yeah. I think, uh, what's her name? Uh, I think Zoe Robbins did an amazing job with this scene, really looked horrified by being given orders by, <laughs> <laughs> by uh, Elaine. Because they and, don't really uh, know each other yet in this. There's, right. Uh, They're still feeling each other out. Exactly. They've right. gone through some stuff, but everything has been about the stuff and not mm-hmm. as Egwene and Elaine had long chats in their uh, novice rooms mm-hmm. and sharing personal backstory and details. Uh, Nynaeve and, and Elaine have really been thrown together in, in circumstance. Right. They're still in their pre-Wonder Girls era. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I did really like that they did a transition of Matt looking out the window into them being in the city. That looked mm, really good. Yes, that's right. That's right. I usually pick up on those details and I and I Well, I'm here for you this time. Perfect. You got you got me covered. Because they have another great um uh, transition later. So that yeah. I liked. Doing well on the transitions here. So one other thing I wanted to say about the scene was the we had some a good little bit of world building exposition y thing here. Where oh now who said it I forget I can't remember who said it but one of them said you'd think that these people here would fight back they it's like they've been with this Sanjan for years and I was like oh that's a very good clue that echoes back to what we know about them the Sanjan is if you swear the loyalty oath loyalty oath and I think you said this before was that they just kind of leave you to your business right yeah. unless you're part yeah. of the power structure unless you're part of you know, the their military forces or police forces or political structures. If mm-hmm. you're just, you know, quote unquote the small folk, you're fine. They just leave you do to do your thing. And as long as yeah, you Yeah, they're very Roman Empire place. in that. Yeah. And so how, how often nice, do you think of the Roman Empire, David? Anyway. Um, well now more because of the stupid <laughs> this stupid mean. Um but yeah, I think I just liked it. It was just like, oh, that's the kind of stuff where they just drop little bits and pieces like that. So it's just like, yeah, again, great little connective tissue that uh, mm-hmm. makes the world feel a little bit more whole and three-dimensional. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this. The Shanshan 
largely governed well other than the fact that they're people who have slaves and that's <laughs> awful yeah right sadistic. they have yeah. they have slaves both channeling and non-channeling and that's awful and it's horrible to be a slave under them the normal people i guess they leave alone and they actually like are very good at like resource management and making sure people have food and right and this and that like they are good at the bureaucratic parts of governing they're just awful people so this and i think this is uh, a, a good mark of having nuanced and complex writing. The world is a complex and nuanced place. You can have right. a political and you know rulers and institutions where certain things are good and certain things are bad, right? And and mm-hmm. it's very hard to accomplish all of those things simultaneously. Maybe unless you live in one of the you know Scandinavian Norwegian style countries where they seem, but even they have problems, right? So mm-hmm. um, this idea that political structures uh, and and how you govern large geographic areas and populations is not easy. And, and I like that there's nuance and complexity rather yep. than just like, Oh, they're bad or, Oh, they're good. And, um, and making it very simplistic. So yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. And you have the question raised with Egwene and Renelator. Can you form an alliance with someone who's doing something vile that you completely disagree with to serve some kind of greater good? Mm-hmm. Of, Let's fight the shadow. Right. Can you do that? Because Rena wants to do that, uh, but she's on the side of the vile people. Mm-hmm. And can can Egwene's side, you know, swallow their pride and and hold their nose and form an alliance with them? Right. Because at some point, the last battle is going to happen, and you are going to have to probably fight alongside them if you want to win. Right. Right. Anyway, food for thought for now. Let's go back to Kyrian, where Varen receives an Ogier map of the city, and Team Alana worries about Varen and Leandrin's allegiances. Leandrin then enters House Damadred. So Alana is, I think, swiftly becoming one of my favorite show, my, one of my show favorites. Uh, okay. I, I really, when we cut, I mean, it was we had them for just such a short bit in this episode. But when we got there, I was like, ooh, cool, Lana. You know, I was like excited <laughs> to see Alana. And I really right. like I like the vibe and the dynamic that Alana's got going. And uh I like the actor and and just everything about that that that's there. So I was excited and then like, oh, <laughs> I didn't get more of her really. Yeah, scene, she's so. not there very much. Yeah. Yeah, I won't comment on my feelings on Alana because they are riddled with book knowledge. Okay, fair enough. Um, do we know who the Aes Sedai with the purple cape and no hair, who they are? Yes, that is Joya. Okay. Because we make a, there's a, they make a point of having, um, Varen look at her or, and what's the, what's the other Brown, um, uh, Aes Sedai who gives her the map? I can't recall the name at the moment. Right. Cause they both kind of look over and are sort of a bit nervous. I mean, yeah. and I understand with an Aes Sedai, uh, political dynamics, mm-hmm. you're going to be cautious. And then, of course, they know a secret. Well, at least Varen knows a secret about the dragon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and which is also interesting because Alana does, does Alana know that Varen knows? Do they know that each other know or or not? So that's an interesting Good question. I'm not sure uh, about setup. that. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good setup. That, I, yeah. I like that, you know, because that's going to, you've got two different people 
who have a same goal or motivation, and yet they're coming at it from different directions and then not knowing the other's position. They don't have total information. So um, that can make for some good dramatic tension. Yep. All right, cool. Um, Len and oh, go. You have some. Well, yeah, I was just going to say what, you know, you know, Leandrin enters House Damadred. Dot, 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 question mark, question mark, question mark. What the hell is she doing here? And what, what, <laughs> what, what do we got going on? It was a nice hook. Uh, and she's that. just so rude upon walking in, just like <laughs> yeah. stares at the painting, doesn't even acknowledge the owner. Exactly. Wow. All right. Len and Moraine meet for the first time since he sent her away, since she sent him away. Uh, Len asks if being cut off made her think of ending things. And she said, not once, because nothing matters besides protecting and guiding Rand. Moraine scolds Lan for telling Swan, but Lan tells her it's time to trust someone. So I really liked this detail. Um, this was the first clue that, you know, Lan has figured out mm-hmm. that there's something else going on, that she's not actually stilled because in 98% of all other cases, yep, you know, there was a, a, a specific result <laughs> that ended up. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and, Moiraine is very clear. I never once thought about that. That never crossed my mind. She's putting it on. She's putting her strength on the fact that uh, her mission to save the dragon, you know, or to to find and train mm-hmm. the dragon, is keeping her uh, moving forward. But she can't see that land. It takes land to see from the outside to go. No, wait, something else is going on here. Yeah, and interesting. Uh, I, I really liked the 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 detective land action going on. <laughs> I, I, I'm loving that you're saying that because it actually made me think of the scene differently. And I had read it as her kind of fibbing mm. because, because mm-hmm. she had had that dagger scene with, with uh Loghain earlier in the season. Right. But right. now that I'm thinking about it, she can't lie. So she's clearly not fibbing. And uh, right. Yeah. And I don't I don't think you can. She said not for one second. So I exactly. don't think that I don't think that that can be a lie. I don't think we can ice die out of that. Nope. Yep. And and it takes land. And that's what the structure, as I'm understanding it from the show perspective, watching the show perspective, that is part of what a, a good warder Sedai relationship should be about. Okay, yes, right. there's clear in battle type of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But you're so into your I Sedai stuff and having to deal with what's there, you really do need that wingman or you know that other person who is outside and can see from the outside mm-hmm. and give you that guidance and counsel. So it's not just being your your blade, but also um, mm-hmm. you know somebody who can you know a friend in that sense of here's some advice or here's a perspective. Here's right, push back a little. Exactly. Think about this. Don't just react to this. Yep. All so, right. And and lastly on this I think it sets up this interesting question which is the you know Moraine has done so much to damage the trust relationship. Lan is being steadfast in in some ways. But again it sets up this question of can you come back? Can you pardon my French fuck up relationships so bad that um that uh can you come back from it? Can you repair those things? Can can there be some resolution or some healing or something like that. And I think it, it sets up again, more dramatic tension for, for that kind of questioning. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're, what they do from here now that yeah. they're back together. The, the gang, the band's back together. <laughs> 
Swan then questions Rand and becomes concerned by his lack of progress. She tells him Tower Law requires her to cage him, and she intends to do that this time. She shields Rand and laments his gender. You're not a spoke boy. <laughs> You're the water that turns the wheel itself. He's he's doing his like mopey kid thing. I don't want to have to be the savior. <laughs> and then she's like, dude, you're not the savior. You're the you're the energy that drives the 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 system. Right. Right. So I think that's that's thing. the most interesting thing about the Wheel of Time is that it it really does mess with this chosen one trope where mm-hmm. first of all, it's a cycle. Like this has happened before and right. it will happen again. Which we have to talk about when we get to Ishmael, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And second, I think it it really he's not necessarily the savior of the world. He could do a lot of things with this, and it's not necessarily always a good thing. Right, right. And so right. she he drives the pattern. He's not he's not he's basically saying, I don't want to be used by the pattern. She's like, You are the pattern, buddy. You mm-hmm. are moving it right now mm-hmm. by being here. Right. She yeah. <laughs> um she really messes him up too, right? You're not our general. Um, and she, yeah, she really disabuses of him of, of this thing, obviously with her shielding him, right? Just very easily, like with a flick of her wrist. Yeah. But something that I thought was really interesting as well was tower law wants to use the dragon, not unlike the way the Sanchen use uh, the Demane. Mm-hmm. The Demane put a physical collar on you. You know, you, right. the, the, the I said I might put a weave on you, but it's the same thing. We're going to use you as a tool, as a weapon, and you don't have agency and you're not a person. So going back to moral complexities, yeah, the I said I aren't necessarily the quote unquote good guys. Right. You know, that's a pretty horrible law that, well, we're, when we find the dragon, we're going to lock him up and, and then use them, you know, at, right. in the last battle. Well, the, so the White Tower was founded after the last, last battle. Okay. After the War of Power. Um, and so this was in response to the, the breaking of the world by, you know, men going mad from the power. Right. So you got to remember, they're, they're thinking to themselves, we're going to limit the amount of time he can channel so he doesn't go mad. Mm-hmm. We're going to train him while he's caged. And then we will unleash him as a weapon for the time he needs to be here. And then they probably gentle him and kill him. Right. Maybe not <laughs> kill him. They just let him you know, be gentled. What, that's no different than this than a Demane in some right. ways. Right. And I, I completely agree with you. It's very wrong. Yeah. I'm just telling you how well, yeah, 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 you, yeah, can, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of see where it came from. Right. Is Yeah is this is an extreme this is the nuke right we have to cage the nuke we're not going to let the nuclear the sentient nuclear bomb run around the world in yeah we're trying to control the circumstances here we're we're trying mm-hmm. to uh, manage variables and we're trying to minimize the downside and maximize the upside so yeah it's right. all very logical right. decision you could see the committee uh, meeting where they actually decide this <laughs> and write our law right it's right. all very clear and for me, as a show only, it was a shocker. I was like, "Dang, that's cold, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's uh that's a very serious thing to to say. Yeah, we're gonna lock you up and then use you as the tip of our spear." Right, right. I love also Swan just like 
so exasperated. It's been six months and she's taught you nothing. This is pathetic. This is a waste of time and resources and effort. Mm-hmm. She's pissed. Swan is pissed. I think she's right, but also yeah. a woman can't teach a man in this world uh, how okay. to use the and not and vice versa. Like the you can't even see the weaves. How are you gonna teach them? And the fact that she couldn't find him for, you know, she had to set a trap. She had to put out bait essentially to get Rand to show up somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, kind of because she did know he I think she knew he was in Kyrian the whole time. Oh, really? OK. Yeah, I because there's suggestion like I think I think Lanfear says this last episode or something like that. Um, do you think it was an accident you ended up in Kyrian? Oh, you know, no, like I know that the, with, the trap was the bait was there. But right. Did she did she know that he was there? That's the I, I the think question. so, because okay. he was there a while. He was there long enough to get a promotion to Loghain's guy, you know, to be in the like inner sanctum. If she had known that he was there, she would have gotten there sooner. But anyway, it's it's a debatable right in if you have a theory. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I I'll point out a plot hole I noticed, which is. How does Rand just get in and out of this uh, position and just not show up for work some days? <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't true. take away his badge like, buddy, you know, <laughs> you haven't been showing up to work. Right. Egwene watches the other Demane perform a wind gust weave to test their power. When it's her turn, Egwene makes a gust so big it knocks everyone back and is heard far off in the city. Rena is pleased. I really like the way that they're uh, building Rena, who is has this very subtle Stockholm syndrome style thing, where mm-hmm. she's clearly being evil from our point of view. She's just doing what she thinks that is what she's supposed to be doing right. within her culture and character. But I love her subtlety, and I love the fact that she's not a big shouty, yep, bad person. But she she sees herself as a dog trainer. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what it is. But she's also they're they're make they're writing her character as a very sort of even keeled, um, and not not overtly sadistic. It's quietly sadistic. If that if that <laughs> makes a, a a distinction, right? Some bad guys can be written over the top, and yep. in this case, yep. they're writing her with a real nice subtlety in it. So I really like what they're doing with her development. And. A motivation that makes sense, right? We need mm-hmm. to all be prepared to fight the yeah. last battle. We know that you guys are dangerous. Now, you know, there's <laughs> I, I don't think that she's right since the the I said I kind of keep themselves under control with the O's. Mm-hmm. But she's saying, you know, you can't just be running around the world channeling. So we're going to keep you under control. You know, they treat them like nukes, too. Just like right. just like the I said, I are treating Rand like a nuke. Exactly. And. And, um, you know, she has clear motivations. We all disagree with them, but they are there and they make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was interesting that this weave didn't need uh, Egwene to do anything specific other than be a conduit. I guess that's the way I interpret it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall Rena says, I don't need you to do this. I'm doing this. Yeah. I don't recall exactly what they did with that in the book how they how they had that go but i i know that i think in the books the the suldan basically just like commands the weave through mm-hmm. the demane but it still comes out of the demane right the demane they, is the plug into the electricity wall and in the, sure. the suldan is flipping the switch so to speak yeah lamp yeah or whatever. but I, I i don't i don't think they did it like this where it's more like you know the 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 one power is going into the demane's you know wrist thing the right. leash 
yeah, yeah you that's, had to that's show new for the way. show, which is fine. That's fine. Yeah, it helps to have a physical manifestation of that in the world that we can observe. Yeah. So uh, I loved the look that Madeline Madden, the actor who plays Egwene, gives Rena after this. She's mm-hmm. both amazed by her power and, and actually touching the source yeah. to that degree and then amazed at the effect that it had in world. But then also in that moment, I think that this is the moment where she's like, I'm going to MF and kill you <laughs> when, when this, <laughs> when I get free, this is like, this is the moment she does the Aria decision, right? Aria with her lists of names of all the yep, people that yep. she's going to kill from, from game of Thrones. Um, yep. This is the moment where, uh, Egwene makes that decision. Like your ass is mine. The moment I get out of this collar. Yeah. So the, the other thing with this is, do you think that she could have kept channeling further than she was? Cause it seemed to me like Rena said, I've had enough. I'm going to let this all out now. Interesting. Possibly. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Uh, but I like the idea. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like Egwene was still like the glow was increasing. She might have kept going, but Renan was yeah. like, that's enough for me, dog. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let this one go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rena looks like she's getting pretty high here. <laughs> she's like, whoa, this is, <laughs> you know, if, if she's a surfer on a wave, she's at, you know, she's like, wait a minute, this wave is really like, I'm not sure here. I'm prepared for this. Yeah. I, I can, I can see. And, and, uh, Egwene is probably, you know, the, what I'm kind of interpreting is that she, you know, it's, it's, it's like, she's feeling her power and it feels good. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and it's a kind of a newness. So yeah, it's, it's a very cool little scene. Part of the thing that this arc does for Egwene in the books is it levels her up. She Big can, time. She can sense how powerful she is. She's able to use more practical weaves that she was not allowed to do in the tower. Mm-hmm. And it really is, as much as it's traumatic for her, it's also a growth moment for her. Hugely. And that's also good because we want, as we as I keep saying, we want growth, right? Mm-hmm. And even though this is terrible, uh, it is. It's like her apprenticeship, right? It's just right. not in the White Tower. Right. I think I think later a character asks her, like, how did you become so powerful so fast? She's like, <laughs> you don't you don't want to do what I did. No spoilers. You know? The fact that she gets out <laughs> of this, it's clear that she's, she's going to get. Out. Who's, we who know does that. not think she's going to get out. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. You can't. You can't call that a spoiler. We just know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's built into the show. I'm not going to tell you how she gets out. But. No. Exactly. That's the interesting bit. Right. 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 All right. Loyal meets Elaine and Nynaeve and tells them Egwene is being held in the kennels, that uh, and that only Suldam can go in and out. Nynaeve promises to get Loyal out too. Elaine says they have what they need. Did you like the <laughs> the um the the uh what am I trying to say? The dialogue where Loyal is trying to do the big big <laughs> greeting and the big fancy list of of He's of a builder, titles. right? He's gotta right. do he's gotta do his builder thing. Right. And and Nynaeve goes, Don't encourage her. <laughs> it was that was great. a great line. The whole little scene was was very fun. It was very character building moments. Uh, Elaine receiving him and feeling her power in that was was uh-huh. great. And Nynaeve just going, "Oh, this is gross." <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> and loyal being loyal, like he's fully being an ogier and saying, "Right, 
my allegiances, my protocols, my everything that I have been trained and it, it is within my social and, and psychological makeup, I have to kneel. I have to address this ruler this way. Right. So it was so genuine and honest and Nynaeve was like, ew, this is gross. <laughs> it cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, that was super good. But did you think by the end of the scene, okay, one of them's going to color the other? I wasn't sure. And I, the, so the twist caught me. I was like, I did have that thought and I thought, oh, that's gross. Yeah, they do the fake. They do the same fake out in the book, I think. Okay, it's a good, uh, it worked. Yeah. It worked. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't hunting for, I mean, I suppose if I thought it through, I you could puzzle it out, but at the same time, they give it just, they just touch it just enough to to give you the mm-hmm. thought and then go, oh, I hope they don't do that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were actually going to do it in the show, but they uh, they did the same fake out and I liked it. I liked the way that they pulled it off the whole like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good. All right, Matt wakes up to Ishmael whittling in his room. Ishmael starts to lecture about the world being depressing, and Matt asks if this is a sex thing or a murder thing. Ishmael brews a tea that he says will allow Matt to see glimpses of his past lives. Matt questions it, but Ishmael is confident that he will drink it. Uh, very funny line by yep. Matt about the, <laughs> the sex or murder thing. I was <laughs> Either thinking, way, can you please move on with it? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this Matt and this actor, and you know, we've been been um, thinking and, and talking about you know what this actor brings mm-hmm. differently to this role. And I can't remember if we talked about this before, but what I'm starting to get is that this Matt is less puckish. And he's a little bit more of a shambles, you know, a little bit more shambolic, a little bit more like mm-hmm. he's lived a rough life and he doesn't have the same pluck that the other. And I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm just comparing here. I'm just kind of contrasting, not, not uh, giving value judgment. Um, but this Matt is feeling the, he feels more rough and rough edged than the other Matt who, while having the same upbringing, had a pluckish, upbeat attitude and a sort of twinkle in his eye, and and yeah, you know, things are messed up and what, but I'm I'm still have this natural verve, where this Matt is a little bit more downtrodden overall, and it's fine. Yeah. I think it's it's yeah. working for me. Yeah, I hope that he gets a little bit of life back in him, but this was it was starting to show signs in this. Episode. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have that same verve. So yeah, uh, I think this was my favorite scene of the episode. Okay, not not the actual vision scene, but this scene. Yes, this scene. Okay, uh, because I get an insight into Ishmael mm-hmm. that I haven't before. I thought the comedy note hit well. Right, is this a sex or murder thing? So that all right. worked. Right. The the dynamic that's getting set up for Matt, um, which I'll come back to in just a second, but that this idea that Ishmael is on a mission. And it's not necessarily the Dark One's mission, and it's, it's not the necessarily Isha mission. It's the Isha mission. I like it. Oh, it, it is the Dark One's mission to break the wheel to, mm-hmm. to end suffering. That's okay. what. Well, not to end suffering, to end it all. Okay. To end the existence. End it all. Interesting. Okay, and and we haven't. I right there. I've only recently learned that the Dark One is not Ishmael, right? So I still don't right. know anything well, about well, the Dark says, One. Well, he says Ishmael says in a previous episode. I'm the only one who gets the dark one. 
You know, true. I'm the only one who ha- who shares his motivations and understands okay, yeah, what he's true. about. So that's that's, right. that's why I'm telling you. I think this is you know shown in the show. That's the Dark One's true goal, not just to you know make everyone is the slave right, to of be the Dark ruler one, of the yeah, worship but to be done with it all. It's not he's not Sauron. He's not Morgoth. Mm-hmm. This is a new thing. This is somebody who sees the cycle and wants to end it. Interesting. Okay. So fair enough. So, so maybe that was off, but then I can see the, the alignment then of Ishmael with the, the dark ones goals. And I like this whole thing of, uh, you know, I would wake up and I would think about all the pain and the suffering in this world. And there's only one way out of this trap and that's to end it all. Uh, and right. so it's not that, <laughs> and I know that you said, oh, the world is depressing. You know, that's a, it's a funny line, but for me, it's not that he's depressed about the world. He's hopeful for the world in as much as he's going to end the world. There's hope. And that okay. hope is, is, <laughs> and, and that's a good, you know, that's a Thanosian bad guy, right? I have a principle. I have a, a point of view. I have a, a reason for what I'm doing. And I can kind, and you can kind of see that logic. You can understand yeah. how he arrives at his answer. I don't agree with the answer, but you know, I I, I get right. it. And and I that is so the writing and the scene and the motive and the 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 insight into the motivations. I think were a really good. This is the show hitting its best. I, I have mm-hmm. there there are things in the show for me that are uneven. There's some places where mm-hmm. oh, it's not great. And then there's other scene, you know, stuff in this show that is like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and this is one of the scenes for me that that really made me feel something. Right. All right. I, well, I cool. Yeah. Side. Yeah. Um, I, I think Thanosian is a good way to describe him. I think Alicia assigned a word to him and to somebody in Foundation that I won't spoil, which was actually, sorry, somebody in Star Wars that I won't spoil. Uh, which is nihilistic, you know, sure. he's, he's a nihilist and he, he really is, is just kind of done with living, but he can't be done with living because he knows even if he dies, he's going to come back as a different person and the cycle will repeat. And he just would like, he would just like to go to sleep and not wake up. And you kind of get the guy, especially because this guy yeah, seems to yeah. be one who has glimpsed his past lives and is is struggling to reconcile the fact that he has to keep doing this with his with his consciousness. Right. And uh I think I think he sees Matt as a tool. I, I think he wins if he if he makes the Emmons Fields five all come to his point of view, right? Like right. let's figure out how to end this. Right. Yep. Um, so his goal isn't to kill them, but is no, to, but to turn, turn them to his point of view, to win which them is- over on the merit. Again, more good construct and more interesting story. And I think putting the T in front of Matt is a really great stratagem because I think with Matt particularly, he's as he as we learn later in the scene, you know uh, what what he's gone through and what he's stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this idea that our our brains are designed to protect us both physically and socially in the world. Like the, yep. the just the mechanisms of our neurons, right? Got to avoid the saber tooth tiger and not get kicked out of the tribe. Right? Those are our two yep. very yep. deep seated imperatives. And 
our brain is good at creating and seeing, you know, seeing the patterns in the world. Oh, okay. I know that the saber toothed tiger likes to hunt here and this is, and it jumps out this particular way. Yep. Great. I know how to avoid it because I can predict the future based on the past. Mm-hmm. And so Matt being trapped in this wheel and having a pretty horrible life, uh, a terrible set of circumstances that he's, he's carrying a burden that he's carrying. What, what human heart wouldn't jump at the chance to figure out what my pattern is so that I can try to escape the pattern. Right. The human heart in conflict with itself, maybe. Um, there you go. And, <laughs> and I will add, they they really changed Matt's home life in the show. Okay. He had a loving mother and father, sisters that he loved. Um, everybody was jolly in his home life at, Interesting. at in the books. Interesting. And in the show, they made him come from this abusive household. And I guess this is why they wanted to be able to play this role mm-hmm. here. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I love it because I, we stand, we stand the Cawthon family. Okay. In the books, <laughs> <laughs> I could see where that that would be a big departure for book folks for for a show only person. It's working for me. I understand it. It's relatable. Um, it gives me clear motivation. And mm-hmm. yeah, if if that is the change, that's a night and day change between the book and the show. So I could it get is. where people are like, and having yeah. all kinds of different reactions. So yep. Yeah, that that was jarring for me. Yeah, uh, totally understandable. I, I wonder what happens because Ishmael is very clear. Uh, what happens if you drink more than one cup of this tea? Because he's like only one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you die. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Maybe you anyway. stay crazy forever. So Avienda finds her fellow Aiel, Bane and Chiad, and asks to be taken to Joya. They show her Joya's grave, then. Avienda offers herself to be beaten mercilessly. Uh, Perrin tries to interfere, but they convince him to stay out of it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it was a scene. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it. It it just, yeah, it it was a wolf walking in the desert and Perrin walking around without covering himself up. And yeah, there was just a bunch of things that sort of took okay. me out of the verisimilitude. Okay. That's fine. Um, wetlander. I, I, what? I, I love wetlander. All right. Because all right. they come from a place where water is like a precious commodity. So they call them wetlanders as in like you're weak. It's like a, it's like a pejorative. It's not you haven't had to work. You haven't had to work for anything. You haven't had to seek anything. You have water just spoon fed to you. Yeah, it's it's not like it's not descriptive. It's I, I think Jordan's naming style. I think I kind of yeah. It's they're they're very on the nose and they're very okay. obtuse. They're not. I, I like all of them except Dark Friend. I don't like. Right. That's the only one that really <laughs> jars yeah. me, but everything mm-hmm. and I got used to it eventually. Sure. But everything else I really like. Like I do like Wetlander. There's Gleeman. a word. We haven't uh, seen any Gleeman in this uh, season. Mhm. The name for the name for a uh, dark friend in the Aiel culture is Shadowrunner, which I think okay. is way better. <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so you you get your your first taste of toe here. So uh, I, this is when I Googled Avienda and um, this, I was trying to understand. So Aiel, but it's Tarad. Aiel? Tardad. Tardad. Thank you. Tarad. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but that's the full name of their people. No, that's her tribe within the Aiel. 
Oh, interesting. There's okay, subgroups. So Aiel is yeah. the people, and this yeah. is the the tribe within it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Got it. Yep. All right. And then and then so that's her main tribe, and then there's also, um, you know, there's also the maidens of the spear, which is her sort of adopted tribe of of warriors. Right. Okay. Life is a dream that we all must wake before we dream again. It, it was also very Dooney. It was a, a strong Doom. Oh, well, that's a direct line from the books. Life is a dream we all must wake from before we dream again. I I, I always found that very moving. Okay. I think you just don't like Jordan's writing. I've never read his writing. This is a world where this is a world where reincarnation is a known fact. Yes. You must wake from the dream of life so that you can dream again. You know, I I think that that's beautiful. You know, you you know you're saying they'll be back one day, and mm-hmm. it was their time to wake. Okay, you maybe know? it's out of context for me, and I liked and it. I was uh, I was limited out of by context. My they were at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my own context of Dune uh, because that's what visually I'm seeing. Uh, okay. And so I don't have the context of All right. Jordan's writing. All right. So, mea culpa, uh, I'll accept my limitations. The Aiel, <laughs> once you get further into them, they are like probably the most fascinating part of the Wheel of Time. Okay. Because they have such an interesting backstory and history and and uh, their role in the world is really fascinating. I'm looking forward to you learning more about them and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, cool. Uh, they, I do hope that... I do as well, and they're, it, we've got some uh, ground to cover between here and there. <laughs> in the show, in the show. I'm not right, talking right. about the books. All right, so time for tea. Matt has a cup of Ishmael's tea. Once the trip starts, Matt sees his mother telling him he's just like his dad. He sees himself hanged, himself drowning someone, and himself breaking someone's neck. Finally, he turns into his mother and another Matt tells him he's just like him. Matt turns back into himself, and the two Matts scream at each other. So if this is the truth of his soul, it's really tough. That's a that's a tough beat that he's uh, he's in here. Yeah. I mean, you have to decide if you trust Ishmael, too. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um... There has to be a kernel of truth in this, though, because otherwise mm-hmm. the lie won't take. They and showed so, things in the scene that I was really surprised they showed. Really? Yes. Hinting at, at stuff? At things you may learn later. Wheel weaving? Wheel yeah, weaves? at wheel okay. weaving. But yeah, they, they showed things where I was like, oh, oh. Also, I was really surprised that they released this scene as a promo before the episode came out. Uh-huh. And okay. I think it's such a weird scene to publish without context. Yeah, it's pretty, and it's not a, shall we say, life affirming. No, no, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty rough uh, all, all right. around. And then what's the mirror of his mother and him? I, uh, I, I wasn't sure. I fully interpreted what was what they were saying. I don't know. That. I don't know. Yeah, I was right very in. confused by this scene. I would love to hear some fan theories. So, you know, mm-hmm. if, if anybody's got anything, write in. Right. I think he fears being just like his dad. That was very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, again, Abel Coffin in the book, great man. But here, not so much abusive, alcoholic <laughs> father. Yeah, big departure. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, you, you see him hanged. You see him drowning someone. I, I couldn't tell who the drowning someone. I thought it might have been Ishmael. 
based mm. on the outfit. Um, and the breaking someone's neck, I couldn't recognize that person either. Yeah, no, I didn't. It seemed like the person who he broke the neck of might have been a female character. Looked, it yeah, it looked female. Female, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, not a lot to say about the scene. I did enjoy the humor of him screaming at himself and laughing at himself, <laughs> and that was that was a well done shot. Uh, it it struck they they hit a good real reality note here. I can say I can speak from experience. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I can. Not all trips are fun. Okay, fair. I don't. I, I haven't had a bad <laughs> one of that negative <laughs> of, of consequence. But, Have you yeah. had the the, <laughs> the resulting scene <laughs> happen to you? <laughs> no, no. Okay, <laughs> never, okay. never, never went too far down the. the okay, hole. but it it uh, they okay. did visually they portrayed things pretty nicely. So. All right. All right. Well, that's that's, a, that's one thing that's really hard to do is to get the interior psychological experience of being in an altered state onto screen. It's really hard. Right. Um, and right. I felt like that was a, a pretty that that rang pretty true for, for right. me. So, OK. Not the cool. content, but the visual representation right. of it. Right. All right, Moraine tries to convince Swan to free Rand. Swan says she can't train him and control him if she's stilled. She says the next day they'll announce him as dragon and 14 sisters will by, be by their side to show he's under their control. So I didn't quite understand at the beginning of this that she had him. She has him shielded and mm -hmm. she's carrying on this conversation in very intense conversation with Moraine and is Rand so inexperienced that she can just sort of devote a very small corner of her brain to keeping him locked down. Yeah. Swan is, is that not, it, Swan is not books, a joke. Yeah. Right? And in the books, they make very clear that it's really hard to shield someone who's already channeling. It's almost mm -hmm. impossible. Mm -hmm. And uh, here Swan does it easily. Yes. So he's just really inexperienced. And he's looking very pathetic there yep. in his little huddled state. Yep. So a lot of fire here between Swan and uh, Moraine. A lot of hurt. Yeah. I mean, Swan has a point. I totally think that her approach point. is very bad, but she definitely has a point in taking a new approach and taking the reins away from Moraine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The you Moraine's months, away. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, not a lot to say about this scene. More, you know the swan plan get, coming to fruition. Uh, we get an answer w with the sisters, like how many, why she came with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the sisters. Yeah. And then um, some lore drop here about the, you know, declaring the dragon and, and fulfilling the prophecy, you know, yep. the, you know, and he shall be known by blah, 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 blah. Right. So right. Standard, right. standard stuff for fantasy. Speaking, stories. speaking of prophecy. Rand learns that he's been shielded and Moraine tells him it's only temporary. Rand says he was trying to go to Falm to save Egwene and asks, why Falm? Moraine says that's where the dragon is supposed to proclaim himself. Rand thinks the Forsaken want him to be famous before they kill him and says they probably don't want him imprisoned by the Amarlin seat. So nice, nice hint that they're going to free him with Lanfear's help. Right. And uh, yeah, and and. This is new for the show. I mean, Falm is definitely a place and is the location of the end of book two. Okay. And so they are they are very set up to do basically the finale of book two as the okay. last episode. And I'm and I'm excited because it's a great ending. Um and 
I think Rand reads the motivation of the Forsaken wrong. They don't want to kill him. They want no, to use they want him. to use him. They want to, yeah. do, like you said, uh, um, Ishmael's goal here is to turn them all. Right. Win them on the merits. Yeah, exactly. And that's a, that is interesting, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That is straight up interesting. Right. I'm going to convince you. I'm going to intellectually convince you that my point of view, my argument is the only natural logical conclusion to ending mm-hmm. the suffering of the world. So. And how does he do that? Keep traumatizing him. Basically, that's <laughs> exactly. that's his goal is I'm going to traumatize you into submission. That's right. That's right. When they open the scene, I, I apologize. Who's the... Um, oh, I apologize. The name of the second in command of yeah, the Liana. Sedai? Liana. The they, keeper. Right. The keeper. That's what I was looking for. Liana, the keeper. So as they pull, they zoom out from Liana's face. And she's stressing. She's got a little sheen of sweat and she's working hard to keep Lan shielded. Right. Where, um, <laughs> where Lan doesn't where, need a shield. Shield or. You said Lan. You, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Rand. <laughs> Rand okay. Lan. Yeah, That's yeah, okay. yeah. All, all we got of the these point. Vowels. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's keeping Rand shielded, where Swan was having a pretty big conversation with Moraine that took a lot of her attention right. and yet still had Rand locked down. No, no problem at all. Yeah. So I, think, nice I think Swan's way to show. just very, very powerful. Very yeah, powerful and it was, compared to other Aes Sedai. And, and that was it, it. It it demonstrated that to me. The show showed me that. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, a, a appreciation for the in-world consistency there. Right. Yeah, I thought this was a great scene. I like the exposition of Falm. They they did add the prophecy, but they mm-hmm. uh but yeah, that'll be really cool. That'll be really cool. I hope that they have a nice cool conclusion to this season. Yeah, we got one more to go, right? So Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh one more scene before we take a break. Barthanus orders his mother to leave him alone with Leandrin. Leandrin tells Barthanus to remove Moraine from the board. He is initially hesitant, but agrees to do it that day. Leandrin tells him that if his mother suspects anything, he'll have to take care of her too. Anver hears through the wall. So, uh, Dark Friend Social, another revealed uh, player. Yeah, I don't know if he was there, but he certainly certainly is a Dark Friend. He's uh, a Dark Friend. Yeah, agent. yeah. So great little. You know, we were all. You know, it was a great little hook. Why is Leandrin there? And uh, we got mm-hmm. a clear pay- payoff there. So. I like did that you, they didn't keep it running too long. Yeah, did you suspect Barthanas to be a dark friend before this? No, but it's completely obvious now that <laughs> they revealed okay. it. Yeah, they he was so nice, and you know he was just such a fun, calming you know influence within the Damadred household. Like, yep. hey, I'm just yep. you know I'm a I'm a I'm a young man who's excited to get married, and oh boy, I'm going to be king. Isn't that nifty? Yeah, and no, yeah. no, it turns out <laughs> the dude's straight up evil. Um, not, you know, but he's, again, he's got motivation. He's got a yeah. good motivation, right? Um, yep. And it, it's obvious in retrospect. And so good job, you know, that you fooled me. Yeah. So he is a character in the books, but well, there's a, I should say there's a character in the book named Barthanas, who's a dark friend. Mm-hmm. However, it's very different. He's just a, a lord that's unrelated to Moraine in the books. And he is probably the most powerful lord after the king was as a king instead of a queen in the book. Okay. And, um, yeah, Rand meets him and goes to his party, and he was he was hiding the Waygate. They didn't is part of his estate. Oh, okay. And that that's part of the the book two adventures, but it's just very different in the show. 
Okay. Uh, I will credit Alicia and I with calling the way this was going to play out earlier in the season. We were like, all right, he's probably still a dark friend. He's moved up through the ranks quickly. Mm-hmm. Why did he why did he move up through the ranks quickly? Because he sold a soul. Right. And right. and so that that uh, we called that early. And I don't think it was too hard to call early. Uh, the only question we had was, is Anver in on it? Uh-huh. And now we know she is not in on it. Right, which is nice. We got a we got a counterpoint uh, right. to to her son, and again, good um, some good conflict there that mm-hmm. um, that uh, you know we've got a, a mother and son, you know, in conflict. Right, and he basically says he pleads with her like, "I did this for us. Let us keep it." Yeah, exactly. And that's great. Um, so yeah, you, and this is where I was saying before I was feeling a little frustrated is because I feel like we're, this should have, had this been episode three or four, you know, yeah, right? Like we're really cooking with gas and, and <laughs> wait a minute, we're at eight, you know, we're not at 10 or 12 episodes here. I'm getting juicy plot and the season's over. So mm-hmm. Yeah. I will tell you that it kind of mirrors the structure of the books, which is that we spend a lot of time on casual walks with the characters, and then you are five chapters from the end, and Robert Jordan is going to blow your fucking mind. Okay. <laughs> that's that's his goal, is I'm going to slow walk you through mm-hmm. this whole thing. I'm going to lay a lot of track, and then I'm going to make everything explode at the end. Interesting. Okay. And cool. And I love that. I think that it's a really cool writing technique. And he is amazing at writing a satisfying climax. All right. Good. Well, hopefully uh, the, the show can, I know the show has to make decisions about plot and character, but hopefully they can mirror that, um, that way yeah. that the writer structured the storylines. Yeah. I, I really hope episode eight is a banger and I think it will be. I think we've set up, I think they've earned a really big conclusion, which is exciting. Fingers crossed. Right. There's that you have this, this powder keg in foam right now. Yeah. That is just ready to light up in so many ways. You've got Egwene captured. You've got Matt in his weird mood. You've got Rand about to go fight the Forsaken. You've got Lanfear and Ishmael there. I think that you have plenty going on in Falm where it's going to be really interesting. Even Padden Fane we haven't talked about. He's in Falm still. What's going to happen? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Right. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue the episode. And we're back. All right. Ishmael cradles Matt's uh, head and strokes his cheek. Ishmael explains that the cycle of the wheel makes you keep coming back to suffer. He says what he wants to do is to close his eyes and one day uh, close his eyes one day and never have to open them again. Matt asks how. So I think he he wins him on the merits here. <laughs> yeah, at least for uh, now. Yep. At least for and, now, I think uh, uh, Matt's going to do his bidding for a little bit. He, you know, Matt is in pain and he wants relief from the pain. So it's a good, that's a good point. You know, do we, can we trust Ishmael with the T? Uh, was that truth or was that some kind of uh, hall of mirrors type thing where there mm-hmm. is truth, but it's distorted? Yeah. Is it an Aes Sedai truth, right? Yeah. Right. Right. An absolute truth. Right. 
so yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I I laughed out loud when I saw him cradling Matt, and Matt's just like despondent, um, just stroking his cheek, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that uh, that Ishmael can be tender and intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, they've shown us that. So yeah, pretty funny over there. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens with Matt because this is pretty different from the books. I don't think Ishmael ever really gets to him this way in the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see where this goes from here. Let's move on to Rand entering the dream world to speak to a goth Lanfear. He asks for <laughs> Lanfear's help to escape, but she complains about Moraine's presence. Rand says maybe Moraine will help him and she and he won't need uh, Lanfear. And Lanfear smirks before terrorizing the foregate with weaves of fire and explosions. Uh, this may get me added, you know, this may get me some hate, but I'm kind of glad that they got rid of the hat thing, the the headpiece. <laughs> I, I, I'm i fine with it with and without, but I, I think it's better without personally. Okay. That's me. Okay. That's me. You like Gotham fear better? Yes. She's, I mean, it's basically the same costume. It's everything's the same okay. except for the, the headpiece. So okay. same boots. I think they, they. They filmed it all in one shot. They block filmed this. So, you know, you yeah, don't want to get in and out. It's going to take you about an hour to get in and out of that costume. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of buckles and straps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like the look. Um, people are thirsting over Lanfear now. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. That's, a, that's um, a tall, hot glass of water. And I and I love her just str- going casually through the city, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> casually walking through the city, just blowing shit up. Just... The whole four gate's going to burn down now, probably. Right. I mean, well, I guess not because the fire gets put out later. But so criticism, minor criticism here on on my point. Um, I get it. You know, I get the 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 device, and I get her. I like her, the actor doing a great job. Uh, but this uh, this scene, production wise, it it was fine. But it was also just like okay, they just had a bunch of those explosion pots and air cannons and stuff like that. It didn't. Didn't wow me from a production okay. standpoint. So I liked it. I thought it looked good. I thought it. I thought it spoke to a very powerful channeler. And that's I'm, I'm not. Did. Yeah, not not um, not criticizing what they do with the setup of Lanfear and that she can just walk through and flick and you know glance and stuff blows up. I'm just for me the production wasn't uh, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't up to its best in my opinion. All right. Well, I'll be sure to write into uh, Rafe Judkins. <laughs> For now, uh, I I really like this. I love the line. Oh, I love when you manipulate me, you know. And and <laughs> I think Rand doesn't realize that he's completely playing into her hand. Of she she's of course gonna help him out. He was she was gonna do that anyway. Yeah. But now yeah. she has him owing her a favor in his mind. She's playing. She's having a good time yeah. playing. So yeah, she because she knows him. It's. Okay, so we talk about parasocial relationships with podcasting and how like people know a lot more about us than we know about them. Right. And so that gives them a little bit of an informational advantage when they do things like write in. But this is the same thing, right? She spent a lifetime with the previous incarnation of Rand. Mm-hmm. And now he only knows the fake persona that he, she put up for a few months. Mm-hmm. And right. that is a huge advantage for her. Not to yes. mention she's 3,000 years old and has had a lot of time to learn things. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I really like the scene. I like how Rand is just kind of a kid who is like, I'm going to manipulate this crazy smart woman. And she's like, that's cute. Mm, yeah. 
Aren't you pat 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 on the head? <laughs> right. Oh, good job, little buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's go to Alana confirming to Maxim that Landfear walks the world, and Maxim laments the loss of their simple farm life. Yeah. Um, not sure. There's that much here. Um, I just figured I'd add another point for Alana since you like her so much. I do. I do. I do. Uh, and. Um, yeah, it was just sort of a mechanical scene. I mm-hmm. think. There wasn't yep. a lot uh, to go for. Yep. Len offers Loghain the key to his captivity in exchange for information about any weaves on Moraine. Loghain tells Len there are a man's weaves tied off on Moraine. Loghain tries to get the key, but Len says he hasn't forgotten what he did to his friends. Meanwhile, right. Lanfear burns her way to Rand. Interesting. So I think this is CSI uh, Lan, uh, yeah. Detective Lan here on the case, yeah. trying to uh, put it all together. So, yep, yeah. So were you surprised that he reneged his offer? I mean, he didn't explicitly say it. He just put it on the table, and he made him think. But it's like it's kind of cheap, you know. It is a lie. Yeah, but Lan can lie. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> right, but he's not. He's not. I'm, I'm not saying on. I'm not saying on oaths, but I'm saying like kind of dishonorable. But I guess he's saying, well, you've already dishonored me. Fuck off. Do you want him? Do you want Loghain out in the world? Outside I think he's of- more interesting free. Mm. Don't you? Don't you want more another wild card on the board? Uh, we got. A, I got enough cards on the board with what it is. I'm. I'm. Uh, Welcome to the wheel of time. Everyone, exactly. everything's a wild card. That's that's really what it is, though. Is like Robert Jordan is great at like putting a lot of moving pieces around, and I think he mm. was a lot better than George R. R. Martin about tracking them. Mm-hmm. And he'll remember like, oh, I put this person there three books ago. Right. I'm going to bring him back here for and, for this purpose. I mean, I know Martin has uh, assistance as well, but Jordan had that as well. Uh, yes. People yes. who were uh, yeah. helping him track those details. So Right. And uh, yeah, so this whole idea of this was a forgotten thing to tie weaves, that's very much a show creation. People can tie off weaves all the time in the books. Okay. Oh, yeah. interesting. All right. That's so not that's not a forgotten thing in the books. Are people upset? I don't want to say. I, upset. I haven't seen a lot of people reaction. be upset about it. I think it's fine for a plot device. Okay. I still think the whole stilling plotline from Moraine was stupid. I wouldn't have done it at all. I would have just let there be. Okay. What do we get out of it? Well, yeah, we got dramatic tension with her and Swan. Kind of. Now she's got to be on the run, right? So. I think she's still, you could have thought of a million reasons to get her to not train Rand well. Mm. Especially the fact that she can't train Rand because she's a woman channeling Sidar instead of Sidon. All right. Well, you've got a um, copy of Word on your computer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm here to criticize, not to fix. Right. <laughs> yes. Critique is much easier than creation. It sure is. It sure is. Well, good for the writers. They won this week, so I'm allowed to criticize them now. Fair enough. All right, um, let's go to Avienda, explaining Gietto to Perrin, explaining that her toe was her beating as a pen- penance for allowing her friend Joya to die while defending her. Mm-hmm. I-, I guess you were bothered by Gietto, generally. No, I, uh, I, I, I'm getting, all I'm seeing right now is the surface of uh, mm-hmm. this culture. It's karma dharma, right? It's, yeah. It's, uh, Yep. Your your dharma is your G, and then your toe is your dar- is your karma, which is you know your comeuppance. But the the Aiel believe that 
you know, you make the karma happen, right? You, uh, if you, if you do something wrong, you have to make it up to the other person. You have to fulfill a duty or take a beating or whatever it is. Right. And I don't think Dharma has a, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't believe that Dharma has a, that there is a counterpoint that's sort of a, you know, uh, punitive in that way. Dharma is if you're, um, if you're, uh, a job in this world is to be mm-hmm. a painter. Every time you're not painting, you're not living your dharma. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. If, if your job is to be an athlete in this world, every time you're not being an athlete, you're not living your dharma. Right. Um, so in, they in service so of that. It's it's more detached from karma in that way. You're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Karma. So this is this is linked here for sure. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. There's you're, a. You're it, not following a, the rules, and then you are going to have a, a a bad time of it. It's an economy. There's an economy here of, of between uh, two different things. So, yeah. Right. Right. Well, anyway, I, I like Giotto. I disagree with it. I wouldn't implement it, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's a very interesting aspect of the Aiel culture. Well, they're, and, and they're laying track. Distinct. Yeah. And yeah, it makes them yeah. really distinct from the, the Randlanders, the wetlanders. Fair enough. Uh, Nynaeve distracts a Suldam long enough to put an Idom on her. Renna tries to bond with Egwene by telling her the Shanjin's mission is to unite the world to fight the last battle for the light. And Egwene tells Renna she'll kill her. Renna leaves angrily. Yeah, it's uh, it it was really good. This was that's the best part of this episode, I think, for Mm -hmm. me, is Mm -hmm. this idea of well, this and and the whole last conversation between Matt and Ishmael are the most interesting conversations in this, which is it really lays these gray motivations for the villains. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I like the quote unquote good guys doing something bad as well. Yep. A, yep. A, a, what do you call this thing again? I apologize. An uh, IDOM. Yep. An IDOM. Thank you. Although the show's saying ADOM, but I refuse A-dom. to. So I like that they, they do the, they put an ADOM on somebody, which is pretty horrible. <laughs> it's a horrible thing to do. Right, but they're putting it on the slaver, right? They're putting it on the person who normally puts it on others. And we don't know what that does to it is, but you know, that's the uh there's a term, the master's tools, right? Do you use the tools of your enemy? Well, or right. as um what's his name says in uh Andor. Um uh, sell my soul to yes. <laughs> yeah, burn my soul to whatever. Yeah, yeah I can Luthen. see his face. Why am I blanking his character name? Yeah, um, Luthen. Yeah. Luthen, thank you. Yeah, what what Luthen does, you know, is to to use the the tools of the enemy against them. So, yeah. but that that has a cost. That has a uh, that does moral harm to the person doing it. Okay, fine. Sure. You might be sure. fighting a just war. I me- I can think of a good friend of mine in high school whose uh, father fought in World War II and and had a lot of uh, trauma that played out for the rest of his life and, and affected um, their life as well, my friend's life. It was a just war, and they did just things in terms of overthrowing you know an, an evil, brutal regime. Right, but that still had a cost. And so by putting the thing on the, the Soldom, uh, the, the, uh, sorry, putting uh, the Idom on the Soldom. Yep. Yes. <laughs> right. There's just so much vowelness to, you just to, gotta, you just gotta roll with it. It's okay. I'm, I'm working here with it. you. I'm working. I'm here it. with you. I'll help you out. Um, yes. it's, it, I've just had a lot more immersion in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, putting the, the Idom on the, the Soldom is still, that still has a cost. So, yeah. And in, yeah, it's I, I agree it's with an interesting you. story. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that um, 
you know, it is a horrible thing to do. If you have to do it to get into this place and save your friend, then this is the best way to do it, right? Is to put it on the slaver, put it on the Suldam. Yeah, you got to, well, and, and of course it's the, you know, it's a well-worn road, a well-worn trope here, you know, disguising yourself to get past the guards, you know, sure. so it works and it works in this world. And I have, you know, I'm but not what's interesting that. here, what's interesting here is that they're not just disguising themselves with look, they're disguising themselves with the act, with the heinous yes. act. Yes, and exactly. I think that that's, that's, that's interesting. subverting that trope a little bit. That's right. You know, in retrospect too, this episode is pretty packed. It is. So I this think you're right. the longest outline I've eight. done, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of detail and there's a lot of, and I think that's what I was reacting to earlier on was like, there's a lot of substance to this. Uh, and I think going through it uh, scene by scene like this actually is opening my eye even more to how much was was going on here. Yeah. And then just a, a, a quick comment about the the relationship between Rena and uh, Egwene here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and she's, she's like, Oh, you're a good pet, you know? And, you know, look, you did such a good job and I'm going to be so nice to you now. <laughs> and right. Wayne, I think Egwene's starting to go a little insane, but of course you would in this circumstance, right? Right. right. Who would? And she's burning with, there's an inner fire in her that is uh, not unlike Arya's fire in some ways or, or, or Sansa's fire which is, whoa, this is an evil place. And for me to get out of here, it's going to, I have to go a little crazy to be able to, yep. to do the things that I'm going to need to do to get out of this. It's going to, it's going to cost. Right. Yeah. It's very sad to see all this happening to, to her. And I, I agree with her motive. I agree with her anger. You know, I think yeah, she, yeah. she has a right to be angry at this woman. We get a lot of, and there was a lot of conversation about how rough the last episode was. And so it really impacted people. So Right, right. Now now she's in good cop mode. Yes. Barthanus enters Moraine's chamber and discovers it was a trap laid by his mother. He explains he went to the dark to elevate their family and asks her to let it continue. Anver says she already told everyone about his actions and walks away from his pleas. Pretty rough. Yeah. Pretty rough. Uh, not easy to, um, what's the, the duty is heavy as a mountain. Duty is heavier than a mountain. Yes. Death is lighter, lighter than a feather. So she, for her to be able to imprison her son this way is not an easy, it's a heartbreaking thing. No. And she she favorably mentions Moraine, right? She's like, Mm -hmm. basically she's like, I, I think she's basically saying, I love my son more than my sister, but my sister at least knows right from wrong. She has principles and yeah. Yeah. And in this situation, she'd be right to imprison you and I'm going to do it for her. And yeah, you're, you're, you're taking a shortcut to power. You're taking Mm -hmm. a, where have we seen that before? Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear Darth Maul in the background? Yes. (laughs) Varen uses some Aes Sedai wordplay to free Rand from the shield, and they take Rand to the Waygate. Yep. Um, pretty straightforward. Uh, well, again, well, well, well-worn trope. Oh, you know, you're needed elsewhere. I want to actually address this because there was a lot of conversation in Discord about this. And oh, really? Alicia actually settled this debate, and uh-huh. I, I like the way she broke it down. Um, So... People are saying, since Swan was surprised to see Liana later, did Varen lie? Okay. 
which would mean she was Black Aja, right? Right. Okay. Here's here's Alicia's defense of Varen. So Varen and I mean Browns have a bookish right. They're they're researchers. They're book yep. Isidai, yep. right? Uh, and Varen, as we know, is uh, she is experienced and she has a, a level of wisdom. So yes, I mean I'm very interested because she's not um, she's not a simple player on the board. She has right. a lot of complexity to her. So Very how did smart. she get out of this? Yeah. Right. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. And, what, and Moraine says. says you picked your words cleverly. You know, it's, it's right. So it's Moraine there. would have called her out for lying. Uh, so here is the breakdown from Alicia. One, she told Liana, Swan need your strength. True. Even if she didn't ask for it. Right. Uh-huh. I've been asked to shield him. We didn't see this, but presumably she's one of the people asked to join the rotation. Just not necessarily then. Uh-huh. Nice. Number three, I'll take the over boy. the shield. And she mm-hmm. did for a second. Nice. <laughs> so nice. It, the, you can you can checkbox all these statements, and uh, they were all true technically. She says this is an order, Leanne Sedai. So she's giving an order, right? An order is just an order. Uh, I would like right. uh, two eggs scrambled. <laughs> exactly. It didn't she didn't say this is an order from uh, the Amaryllis Sea? Right. She, she right. put it in the same conversation. But right. the, the Amarillin seat needs your support, and this is an order. Nicely right. done. Nicely right. written. Yeah. Well good. done indeed. That was that was one of the best examples of I said I speak I can I can find in this whole show. Very, very good. Yeah, and I and I like uh I, I like Varin. I like um uh I'm sorry, who's the green um with the Alana. two orders? Alana, you know, there there's some great Secondary characters within uh, uh, mm-hmm. in the Aes Sedai here that we're seeing. So, yep, good actors too. They picked good actors. I'm very happy. Yeah, absolutely. Swan links with other Aes Sedai to create rain that puts out the fires. Liana sur- arrives, uh, surprising Swan. Swan orders Liana to lead her sisters in healing the city. Okay. Yep. We got yep. a link. It didn't we get an email about linking? I'm not sure. I haven't even looked at the feedback, but we will okay. in a minute. <laughs> yeah, because it was about the somebody wrote in about the number. We'll get to it. Uh, but somebody wrote in about the number. Oh, yeah. The number to, and, to gentle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all of that kind of stuff. So, gotcha. yeah. Cool. And I think is this the first time we've seen a big group linking? I, we did see it in season one when they captured Loghain, I guess, and kept him under that. Uh, yep. Under and wraps. we saw it with um, the finale, too, with the battle with. Nynaeve yeah, that's right. And, and the that's other people. Right. Okay. Um, which made everyone angry. But anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter for now. It doesn't matter for now. Um, Lan tells Moraine she's been shielded, and they tell Rand to use the one power to cut the weave. Rand yeah. succeeds, ending Moraine's shielding. Moraine opens the way gate, but Swan arrives, shields Rand, and orders Moraine to close the gate. Lanfear arrives and knocks Swan out. She opens the way gate and she ran Lan and Moraine walk through well Swan pleads with Moraine. Ran on the run. <laughs> Here we go. Back on the back out on the lamb. <laughs> on the lamb with Lan. Yep. That's Land impossible. On the lamb. Uh so they can uh, there's a story in the age of uh, of legends that yep. the Forsaken can do this. That's what the, the dialogue says. Which again, this is a show creation. This was okay. absolutely possible in the books. People wouldn't have blinked at saying I tied off the shield. Okay. Um 
Whether a tied-off shield is as strong as an active shield is a question that I will leave for later. Okay. But it's a device, and mm-hmm. it works. I know you don't, you know, the the, the motivation. But now, there are, now that this is available in the world, are we going to see it more uh, in employed uh, yeah. further on down the yeah. road? So. Will uh, Will Moraine learn that? Will Rand learn that? Yep, all that. Is this a uh, Chekhovian knot? I guess you could say a weave knot. Sure, Chekhov's weave knot. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really pulling there. <laughs> I didn't mean to uh, besmirch uh, Chekhov's theory. So. Besmirch away. Well, David, it's time for listener feedback. We've got a bunch today because we Bumper recorded crack. a little bit later, and that's kind of cool. I'm glad yep. that we're getting more people writing in. Kathy uh, W emailed Lorehounds at thelorehounds.com said, "Hi guys." Loving the Ahsoka pods at the moment. I have a question about the Wheel of Time, though. Uh, I read books 1 to 10 nearly 20 years ago, and then when book 11 came out, started again. So it was fresh and kept getting sidetracked. So here we are in 2023, and I'm once again on the Dragon Reborn and still never read past book 10, even though I've read books 1 to 6 more times than I can count. (laughs) I'm determined to finish this time, but are, are there any late series spoilers in the podcast? I'd like to listen, but I've lasted this long without spoiling the ending. And I don't want to ruin it for myself after all this time. Thanks, Kathy. So in the main section, no book spoilers past where we are. In the White Tower, we do go all the way to the last battle. So we right. are and beyond. So you should you should definitely stay away from that if you don't want to get spoiled. Uh, go finish the books, Kathy. I believe in you. <laughs> yeah. And like we said at the top of the episode, you can safely get uh, spoiler free hot takes from Elisa before they get into the details of White Tower stuff. So, you know, definitely, definitely listen into the first part of White Tower. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Kathy. And good luck with the reread. Yeah. Thanks for and and write us back again, please. Ted H. in Cincinnati emailed WOT at the lorehounds.com uh, says, uh, Shanchin, enemy or ally? Hey, guys, longtime listener of all your podcasts. I particularly love your Wheel of Time coverage because you can hear the love of the source material in your voices, much like with Tolkien. Absolutely. Yeah, love good. the Wheel of Time. Love like that it's coming like that, that we're coming through. I mean, I think yeah. there could be non-fantasy or fantasy adjacent folks who could have a hard time or even book cloaks uh, as they're being colloquially (laughs) called. Um, But yeah, I think we try to do that with all of our podcasts is we try to look for what's good and really elevate that Mm -hmm. and enjoy, uh, enjoy that stuff. And then we pick our nits and we have our criticisms, but we don't, we're not mean about it. Right. All right. I had to ask you about the Shanchen. Feel free to save this question. If it might be a big spoiler and just let me know the wheel weaves. If so, This people has been presented as a mysterious empire from across the sea and so far has been framed as the enemy at every turn. They conquer territory, enslave people, and do far worse uh, to the Demane. However, I can't help but think that they are not the big bad in this world. Ishmael is attached to just one of their leaders, and he is trying to corrupt them and gain favor. I think it's clear the Dark One is separate from the Shanchen. So should I regard them as just an extension of the Dark One, or are they more nuanced? Personally, I see them as a potential ally in the final battle to come. However, maybe I'm trying to make this complex world more complex than need be. It's complex enough. <laughs> it is complex. And you were correct to not lump them in with the Dark One. They are not following the shadow in their intention. They think that they are following the light and they are preparing for the last battle. We saw that with Rena in this episode. I think that was made very clear. Uh-huh. 
So I think uh, this was written before this episode. So I'm glad that the episode let you in on that. Um, I think it's probably cleared up by now, but I'll I'll confirm it here. They are not on the side of the shadow, at least in their minds. All right. Thanks and cannot wait for next week. Ted from Cincinnati. Well, thanks, Ted. That was uh, it's always fun to talk about the nuances of the world, especially with the Shanchen. Yeah, and feel free uh, to if we're book reader or non-book reader, like write in your questions because yeah, there's so much to there's a lot of head scratchy material in here. Not not in a bad way, but just like oh wait, what is this? How does it work? So yeah, we definitely want to be a resource for everyone. Right. All right, John the Maester uh, sent us an email regarding eight versus thirteen to die. In the latest episode of The Lorehounds, you were talking about the book stating the need for 13 to gentle someone, but the show has changed it to 8. I'm reading through the books. I'm only on book 6, but based on what I've read so far, I think that might be incorrect. I believe 13 is mentioned as the number of Aes Sedai and Fades needed to turn... I'm going to remove this. I'm going to remove this, actually. (laughs) This is... uh, Ignore that, David. Oh, yeah. Whatever. It's good. I am now redacting this email from John the Maester because uh, <laughs> mentions that 13 is the number of Aes Sedai used in another context that I think let's uh, let's let's save that for later. Yeah, um, fair there's also another thing next that is uh, is is spoilery. I think you're right, John the Maester, though, that this is some a number that I might have taken from somewhere else and that it's it's uh Used in different channeling things than the gentling, so we'll see. So they've see. done some mechanics then in terms of numbers and yeah, function. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough, right? They have yeah. to do that for for show stuff. Uh, said I did a rewatch of gentling in of Loghain in season one, and it looks like exactly eight were used. So maybe eight is the show's gentling number for whatever reason. But they're going to keep 13 as a different thing. (laughs) Again, I'm redacting here live. (laughs) Uh, That's my best guess right now. But the addition of eight as a number of significance does seem messy. It makes me wonder, is there actually a minimum for stilling in the books? As far as I can remember thus far, I have not read one. I just understand it to be very difficult to do. Sort of like shielding becomes harder the more powerful the shielded person is. I would imagine stilling is even harder than shielding, but to avoid vague spoilers, let's not say this. <laughs> uh, John the Maester, thank you for writing in. I think you're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little digging on this myself. I'll get back to you again next week with a definitive answer. But I think you're right that the number thirteen might be coming from somewhere else. I think uh, this is a good point too. That if you've got uh, spoilery, what you think might be maybe market or just throw in that you know note that this might be a White Tower thing, and then we can push this email over to Alicia and John, um, so it's not in the in the general section. All right. Well, very cool. Let's go to Stu, aka Duve seventy one, Loremaster, in front of the pod with a big episode six feedback email. Hi, guys. I'm just going to go right into it. That was a pretty heavy episode, and I think for the first time, it really showed the stakes of the world of the wheel. As David said on the pod, it's a world of high fantasy, fantastical creatures, prophecies, magic wielders, ancient artifacts, all the ingredients for a rich bowl of cereal. Along comes episode six, which gives a big dose of realism and drops a whopping sour pickle into that sweet, sweet breakfast. This is no bad thing, and in my humble opinion, episode six 
could be the episode where the casual viewer is now locking in and riding along for the story the showrunners want to tell. We are starting to enter the end of season arc, and we can see some of the jeopardy and the cost of being Taviran and being in their orbit. I'm so hoping that after the suffering of Egwene went through through this episode that they do what they did in the books. I am not going to now say this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, On a slightly lighter note. Since getting more into the Wheel of Time, I have seen my the level of interest that the fandom exhibits on social media. Alicia in, kindly invited me to Blue Sky this week, and I have to say my feed is predominantly Wheel of Time or Cats. And those guys <laughs> love their cats lore are the and early dives. colonizers of uh, any <laughs> new internet platform, right? Uh, and those guys love their lore and dives so deep that you may encounter aquatic aliens. Old man movie link here, <laughs> John the Abyss. Nice. All right. Do you know this movie, David? The Abyss? Yeah. For shame, John. For shame. I've never I've never heard of this in my whole life. The Abyss? James yeah. Cameron? I believe it is it James Cameron? Who is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it, it was a very early, it had a big CGI thing, deep sea alien stuff. Um who is the director of the Abyss? Yeah, James Cameron. I was right. Um All right. very, very did you ever see like Armageddon or any of those uh, ilk no. of movies? Okay. Anyway, yes, very, very consequential and monumental film, uh, both in terms of its technology and in a certain genre of storytelling. So, All right, fair enough. Duve continues with that lighter feel. I really loved Lanfear's totally outrageous Dom outfit with the headdress. Uh, it was just campy, but not too much. <laughs> so have to disagree there, David. The headdress agree, gave me very Time Lord from Doctor Who vibes, and I'm fine with it. All right. I think you guys have commented on the step up this season in costuming, and I have to agree. With multiple cultures and factions, the outfits and accessories are really helping to ground the production in the world. That's all really as my main focus was on the great acting and direction that we saw in this episode that translated key scenes that were difficult to read in the book but that were taken to a whole new visceral level in the show. And I salute the great team that brought them to the screen. As I said earlier, I hope that we have seen the reaction from the Wonder Girls in episode seven and not long until the season finale. Over the sea with the Shanshan, Stu, do 71. Yeah, the costume department is earning their um, earning their keep this, uh, this season. They're doing a good job. I, I agree that. It's helpful to have the visual cues where, depending on where we are and what culture yep. we're in. So. Yeah. Yeah. The horror of the Damani stuff really was, you know, it's present in the books, but mm-hmm. is, there's just some things that you can't do without seeing real people with it, right? It's just right. a different thing. Right. That's one of the advantages of TV and film. Visual. Mm-hmm. You know, the books have the advantage of showing inside the head. You know, the visuals help for TV and film. All right, Glinda N. sent in an email with a question. Hi, guys. I'm enjoying so much your Wheel of Time coverage, like very much the super book fan versus the non-book reader perspective. Loving the comparison once the events on the show clearly differ from the books and the analysis David gives about narrative story arcs. Well, thanks, Glinda. Yeah. Uh, She says, I have a question for John. What happened with the warder of an Aes Sedai who has gone dark? Does he know? He has to, right? Because of the bond. Or do you think the bond can be masked without him noticing it? Um, okay, so 
I should make clear, and I think the show could do a better job of this. You don't read the thoughts of your Aes Sedai if you're a warder, and you don't read the thoughts of your warder if you're an Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. You get feelings and vibes, and you can see location. Mm-hmm. But you could totally not know that your Aes Sedai is a dark friend. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. You right. could maybe figure it out from like feelings at certain statements. Clues and yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's no there's no automatic, okay, I know that you went to the shadow. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um and we got, I mean, in oh, gone to the dark, right. Uh yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I, I think that will be that will be answered more clearly later. But for now, I'm gonna say I, I think that that deception is possible. Cool. All right, says, thanks so much. Have a good weekend. Kales Vialindo. Maybe I said that right. Uh, GN. Do you do you recognize this phrase, David? Yeah, John, I believe that it is uh, Spanish, and it means basically good luck to you. So. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Glinda. Yeah, thanks for writing in, Glinda. It's good to hear from you, and I uh, hope to hear from you again in the future. Cool. All right, last email from Mark P., who wrote in Wheel of Time Journey and Tom Maryland. Hi, David and John. Hi, Mark. Loving your coverage. Been with y'all since Second Age. Definitely making me consider watching some shows I wouldn't have been otherwise, like White Lotus, Ahsoka, Silo, etc. Sadly, almost only so much time in the day for now. <laughs> Fair enough. It's true. Thanks for sticking with it. It's always great to hear from Second Agers, right? The, going all the way back. And we get these occasions. We get them less now, but mm-hmm. it's fun when, when somebody does say that they've been around for that long. So uh, right. that's cool. Right. It feels like so long ago, John. Right. I know. Uh, first, John, can you share a little bit about your Wheel of Time reading journey? You've mentioned several times that you've read the books multiple times and others only once. Uh, that makes me assume, wrong or right, that you started the series when it wasn't finished and reread it as new books were released. Is this the case, or did you, as some may have, struggle in the lull in the middle books, arguable span, but maybe 8 to 10 or something? Curious to hear your story and how it fit in with your Tolkien fandom, as in which one came first. All right, I'll answer this quick. Um, I actually came to the Wheel of Time pretty late. I came in uh, New Year's Day 2022. I read my first Wheel of Time page because I had wanted to read it for a while, but I happened to be gifted the trilogy, the first trilogy for uh, the holidays, and I opened it up when I was off on New Year's Day, and I plowed through the books. I mm-hmm. And then, so I read them all the way through once, just once, you know, not repeating anything, and then when I wanted to reread them. I just started a reread. I got through, I think the first six or seven. And then I, and then I knew that the show was coming soon. So I restarted again. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've just kind of kept going on the first few just to, just to keep it going. Maybe I went later than that. Cause I think I've recently read book nine, but yeah, uh, the last, the last few I have not read in a while, but I'm, I'm going to keep rereading and then I'll probably read them a couple more times before season three, honestly. Yeah, you're uh, a notoriously voracious reader. So I know less lately because I've just been so busy with the podcast. Right, right. But anyway, Mark f- continues. I, for one, was introduced to it mid to late 90s when I was a middle schooler and book seven was the latest one released. After a pause, I did a full read when book 10 came out. Yikes. <laughs> and then another full reread after book 14 came out. Uh, the yikes is because uh, book 10 is the notorious slog book. That is the book where 
almost nothing happens. It's mostly characters reacting to the events of book nine. Uh-huh. And it's n- still nobody knows why he did it the way he did, but he mm. did. Book 11 was really great. It was a return to form. And then unfortunately, Robert Jordan passed away shortly after book 11. Right. But um, also, I realized I didn't answer the other part of Mark's question. I came to Tolkien way before. So uh, yeah, yeah. Tolkien first, then Wheel of Time. Although I think I, I think Tolkien will always have, you know, my first love kind of thing for me. But my comfort read is Wheel of Time. I will I will pick up the Wheel of Time for a casual read before I'll pick up the Lord of the Rings. Mm. All right. Mark continues with a question for the White Tower. I'm going to despoiler it here and answer here because the White Tower is already recorded. Um, just wants to know, do we think Tom Marilyn will appear this season? What do you think, David? I have no idea. I don't know who this character is. I don't know. He was the bard from from season one. He oh, the, the Gleeman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, um, I know I might get in. <laughs> I'm not in trouble, but I, uh, I I have not gotten back to a, a rewatch of season one. And so uh, my memories are vague. Obviously, I didn't recognize the name. So okay. I don't know. It would be a pretty late... Um, to bring in a character like that to a final Mm -hmm. episode of this season. Um, So yeah, uh, my money would be no, but you know, they can always, you know, surprise me. I think season three, I think we'll see him in season three. Okay. All right. Anyways, he says he was one of my favorite in the books and I enjoyed him in season one, though I'm guessing the more modern style of music might have annoyed John. Isn't that funny how people just know our taste now? (laughs) Uh, but yes you are right it did annoy me uh so it's a shame if he's gone for a long time or gone completely i'm not gonna try to say this but this is the old tongue for it's time to roll the dice (laughs) so (laughs) i tried to catchphrase i tried to google this and uh google thought it was uh hindi it didn't understand it it, but but that's interesting that it it wasn't at, at first i thought it might be you know, uh, some sort of uh, maybe even Catalonian or something like that. But it, no, it, Google thought it was Hindi. And then it, then I realized, then I did some more searching and then realized, no, no, this is Wheel of Time speak. Yep. It's it's the old tongue. So cool. uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, what does it, mean? it means basically it's time to roll the dice. It's something that Matt uses in the books quite a bit because, you know, he's a gambler. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they'll bring it into the show because it is a mouthful. But it's uh, it's a fun <laughs> phrase. Cool. People right have latched onto it in the books. People love it. So maybe they will okay. do at least a nod to it. Nice. Yeah. All right. It's, well, it's thanks, always Mark. good when little things like that come out of the out of the literature and into the into our yeah. daily reality. Right. Well, Mark, thanks for writing in. Always a pleasure to hear from the fans and hear from the listeners. If you want to get in on this feedback, of course, you can write into WOT at thelorehounds.com or go to our website, thelorehounds.com, or join us on Discord and chat with us in real time. All right, David, it's time to go to the White Tower, but first, we've got a little bit of business to get through. Programming notes very quickly. We've got two affiliates, Alicia, who you'll hear in a moment, doing her feed, Wolf Shift Dust. You can check that out. Not a lot on there right now that's new, but you got plenty of silo podcasts and doing stuff to look at for the past. And she's then, coming up with she's got stuff coming. So mm-hmm. so stay tuned to that that feed. Yep. Then you've got Properly Howard movie review where they are currently going through remakes in a comedic fashion. You can find the link to that in the show notes and you don't even have to watch the movie. You can just have a great time. That's right. All right. Lore Master shout outs. We have a Patreon. 
We love our patrons, and one of the benefits we give our patrons is a lore master shout out if they're on the top tier of our Patreon. And those lore masters are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Do 71, Brian8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Uh, Adrian just upgraded, and Sub-Zero is brand new as well. So we are welcoming you two to the Loremaster family. And thank you to all our patrons, uh, because we are big fans of all of you. Uh, Just a quick note, if you want your name pronounced a different way, or you want to use a different name than the one that's on your Patreon registered, just let us know. We can always change things up. And also quick reminder that we have uh, seven day free trials. So if you're interested in checking this out, you can do that as well. We have annual memberships available. So if that works better for your budgeting or just makes it easier for you. Um, you can definitely change your uh, membership at any time, just going to the, the Patreon website and go to your membership uh, benefit stuff. So, but thank you so much for everyone. Our lore masters, our lore hounds and our lore fiends. We it, it really gives us warm fuzzies at night to know that we have over 100 subscribers now. That's really exciting. Very cool. All right, David, thanks for doing this episode with me. I think it's time to show you the door and welcome Alicia. <laughs> Everybody who doesn't want to get spoiled, uh, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> well, to you, don't forget, there's general impressions without That's spoilers true. first. So That's true. you don't have to leave just yet. I'll leave the door open a little bit for you and then you can <laughs> run out right afterwards. So. All right, David, I'll see you next week. Bye. Alicia, welcome back to the White Tower. How are you doing today? I am excited to talk about this episode and to not talk as much about torture. <laughs> Fair enough. Last episode was uh, the most torture it will probably get for a while. For a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go later in the season, what they decide to adapt from the books. But for now, we're not talking book spoilers. We're still giving general impressions on the non-spoiler part of the show, what'd you think of the episode? Yeah, I mean, overall, um, I laughed out loud several times. Um, I think the scene with Matt was really fun. Um, the uh, There were a lot of changes from the books, but I can see why um, okay. in the most, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I did, you know, I, I went on record saying I wanted there to be a big, messy wedding. And obviously, we got no wedding, no queen at all. Um, nope. But yeah, it was also, I expected, um, I expect, well, sorry, we'll save that for spoilers, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it, it was like a lighter, more fun episode. Although Swan, yeah, she's, she's going over to the dark side, but I understand why. Right. Yeah. The motivations were very clear with Swan. And I think that's important. You know, when you, the characters do something unexpected, it has to look expected in hindsight. Right. Right. And uh, I think that that was clear here. Um, Swan is certainly one to bend the rules when she needs to, but I think she's very results based and this made sense for her character. Right. And yeah, it it was they played that nicely uh, in the last moment when Moraine's going through the gate and looks back at her in the ground. And, you know, they juxtapose that with them 20 years ago in the tower. Like, oh, yeah, that that made me misty for sure. Right. Yeah, it's it's. Really 
heartbreaking to think about what could have been. I mean, we know that they were a lot more explicit about the relationship of Swan and Moraine in the show than they were in the books. But I think it works to provide even more character motivations and even deeper meaning to their interactions the way that they've done it in the show. So I'm glad I'm actually glad that they made that change. Yeah, no, I agree, too. I yeah, I think that um, all, all of the the more they bind these people together with more meaningful relationships, the more everything that happens later means. Right. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on the spoiler free part of the episode before we dig deep into the books? Um, no, just I want to know what's in Matt's tea. <laughs> <laughs> right. It does seem like a good time and also a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes. I uh, could have sworn that we were going to see Matt stab Rand in one of the visions, mm-hmm. but I guess we didn't. And so that's still on the table. Right. Yeah. Another thing they have to wrap up uh, next episode. Maybe. Maybe we'll see if they just leave leave that hanging a couple seasons. Mm. Yeah. Well, all right. I think it's time we move on to the White Tower. So if you've not been here before, basically, we do our spoiler free thoughts And then I play the ad break music. If you're on the public feed, you get an ad. If you're on the Patreon, you don't. Then we move into the spoiler section where we talk full spoilers for all 14 books plus the prequel or 15 books, the way Alicia likes me to say (laughs) it. And uh, all right. So we'll see you after the break. Put on your great serpent ring, Alicia Sadai, because we've got some studying to do. (laughs) And yeah, it starts in the tower 20 years ago. What did you think about the prophecy? I thought it was a good presentation of it. They did change that it wasn't in front of the Amerlin, and that way they don't have to do the backstory of, well, she got murdered. That's why she doesn't know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That's fine. That's fine. That's an efficient change. We don't need to know about that previous Amerlin. But I would have liked to have seen Haley Mills get to speak as Guitar, just like, I don't know, at least a greeting before it started. It, that felt a little <laughs> sudden to me. Yeah, fair enough. I guess I guess uh, it was as sudden as it was for the characters, right? Thinking that they're about to go live their lives happily because the war right. is over. Suddenly they are faced with this life or death situation that's going to take up the rest of their lives. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then, yeah, we... we Skip forward to Falm, uh, where Egwene is, while she's still in the same position, but looking much better than last week, um, mm-hmm. we get to see one of my favorite things from the books is when she learns, like she shows this aptitude for delving in the different metals, which is unusual yeah. for women. Yeah. Um, so, okay, they didn't go into that. And I guess that's another case of like simplifying the details, but mm-hmm. I, it was pretty impressive They show how they showed like, Wait, no, this is, you know, everyone's been uh, giving all the buzz to Nynaeve, but this is also an extremely powerful channeler. Yes. And she's weaponized now. Yeah, I'm glad that they made clear that she is extremely powerful, even if she's second fiddle to Nynaeve in the tower, which is something that, you know, she's struggled with in the show, I think more than the books even, because in the books, I think she has more of an individual specialty earlier on. Yeah. She feels more unique earlier on, and I think... Once she gets to dreaming, once she gets to Teleron Rio, she will really come into her own and feel like she doesn't have to compete with Nynaeve. Right. Yeah. And I and next season, presumably, she'll be doing her wise woman training, too. So, yeah, 
That'll be cool. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Egwene, the exchange student. That's why she's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's really cool with that. I really, I really loved that plot line. I liked I liked uh, not so much the uh, the switching, but the the whole idea of like she's keeping everything from them. And they're like, it's fine. Now, here's your toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I like she was showing some sass back to uh, Rena. Yeah. I, I, the whole Rena storyline, what she was saying about I, I like how they snuck that in about ta- explaining what this Shan Chan believe from their perspective. But it is interesting how you see every faction wants to unite everyone under the light. You know, it's the, the right. Shan Chan, the White Cloaks, the Aes Sedai. Um, right. And you even by- see some discord in some discourse in discord about, um, you know, people are saying, are the Shan Chan evil? A lot of people are asking and. From a certain perspective, yes, but I think they're asking, are they serving the dark? And the answer overall is no. Well, they think okay. that they're serving yeah, the light. True. They feel like they are serving the light. Their goal is to fight on the side of the light. Whether they are actually serving the interests of the light is a different question. But I think right. that well, same with the white it makes it a more interesting. Yeah, it makes exactly. It makes it a more interesting faction. Yeah, and the fact that they they all think, you know, like she, Rena said this episode, we need to unite all together to face the light. But in, by doing this, they're actually uh, dividing more. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Rand has the same idea later on, right? He's got his yeah. dragon's piece and he's got to unite everybody to fight against everybody. And he tricks Egwene to pull everyone in. That was, that's one of my favorite moments in A Memory of Light. Yeah. Is, uh, he goads Egwene to, uh, to invite the whole world to this council. Um, but yeah, I think that they're right in overall mission. They're wrong in execution and in details. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed Megan still hanging out in the background. You know, she wasn't taken a, as a demone in the books, but I think they're just setting this up. So I'm guessing she's going to play um, a prominent role in the Saladar plot. Maybe yeah. more prominent than yeah, in the books. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think that's that's good. We need to condense some of those I said I because I can't even remember everybody involved with that. No, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm happy with this. Um and it also seems like Loyal took on Min's role this episode of being like mm-hmm. the go between um with the Wonder Girls. Um yep. Yeah, and I, I loved we talked about this on the Discord already, but I, I loved the interactions between Nynaeve and um and Elaine, you know, <laughs> this time you'll listen to me and do exactly as I say. <laughs> She's absolutely right. I mean, yeah. who can argue with that? I mean, the, the Nynaeve's whole plan has gotten them captured and gotten somebody yeah. killed. And yeah, it's let's just uh, do it my way for a little while, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. But then also Nynaeve sass is back when Loyal's giving her his whole intro. And she's like, don't encourage her. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I do like that they adapted something sort of from the books in a similar way, which was that, you know, they they have the they find out that they need to disguise themselves as Suldam and Damane to get in. Right. But then they say we have everything we need, and that leads the audience to think, okay, one of them's gonna have to be colored through this. Mm-hmm. And then they do the the twist of, okay, we're gonna knock out a Suldam and chain them. Yeah, but it just seems like it's not a secret in the show that Suldam can channel. Like, they seem to just know that already. Okay, you think so? Well, I, don't, sure. I mean, I, I don't think it's so explicit as that, but how do you think that they knew that that would work on a Suldam? I don't know if they knew that it would only work on a channeler. Okay. At the time. That's, yeah, but that's maybe fair. Egwene puts it together. I think that could happen. 
right? She's yeah. like, oh, this, uh, I've been told this only works on somebody who can channel. Obviously, the Suldam can channel then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm very curious to see because obviously I expect the same thing to happen with Rena uh, next episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's hope. She deserves it. Yeah. And I, I have to give some uh, props to the set decoration people because um, so Falm is uh, recorded in this in a town called Eswira in Morocco. Um, I was there in I was there in January of 2020, and um, really I can tell the area where they're filming is just like these just a couple little streets that are next to each other and have this open area where you could like film over the top because of the, there's no roof. Um, so they are for every scene, they're like completely redecorating the area. And I think they've yeah, done a, a good job with that. So that's awesome. That's super cool. That makes it feel so much more lived in. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, cause that's, that's area is all full filled with shops. So I guess the shopkeepers are well compensated for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. I mean, I always remember the Portlandia drama where they, uh, the feminist bookstore, they weren't compensating them for like anything and they would leave it a mess. I don't know if you knew about this. No, I, yeah, I wasn't in, I never watched Portlandia, but no, I didn't hear about that. But there was also okay. like, like they, um, Game of Thrones ruined, uh, some areas of Malta. That's awful. Yeah. You gotta yeah. be respectful. You gotta yeah. be respectful. Like they, they ruined an ecosystem because they brought in sand for the beach wedding and then they couldn't get the sand out. Oh, Wow. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not do that in the show. I would no. I would prefer we didn't do that. No, I think, yeah, I think they've been learning. Um, so were you surprised by the Matt kidnapping? I was, but also I was glad because now he's going to be in Falma and we don't have to like hand wave about it. Yeah. Well, I hoped that he and Rand would reunite, but yeah, no, Rand was busy, obviously. Uh, so we got to have the fun trippy scene with him again. Um yeah, they actually released that scene today. Uh, it's Watt Wednesday. Oh, really? They released it? Yeah, so now That's everyone's seen it, but, but they don't have the the context for it. But I was really surprised that they released that scene. Yeah, that seems like one you want in context. I don't know. Some of the choices on the marketing are a little confusing, but yeah. that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, they're teasing us with a lot of flirting with the shadow, but I, I'm not, I mean, I, I think Matt will play the same role that he does. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's going to go to the dark. If anyone, see, the, the person I thought would be most apt to join the dark for a period of time and come back in the books was Nynaeve because okay, really? she had such a block and it was rooted in anger. And I thought it okay. would have been a perfect way for one of the Forsaken to say, I have a way for you to channel more easily. I have a way for you to get these, get this block off, to get back at the Aes Sedai who did this to all your friends. I thought she was the most susceptible to it. Okay. I don't, yeah, I always just thought she was so like righteous. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but also a lot of the Forsaken were, right? They just right? thought yeah. that uh, they could get to their ends better with the, uh, the dark. Right. Right. Um, so with the Matt Trippy T scene, do you think, first of all, how much do you think was really his past lives and how much do you think was just uh, Ishamayel messing with him? Um, because, yeah, do you, I'm worried that people are going to worry that this is replacing Flicker Flicker and or replacing anything with the fins. What do you think? Oh, I don't think it's going to replace it at all. I think no. it's, I think it's just something different with Ishmael, and I think it is a manipulation. I'm sure there's traces of truth in it. 
but it's probably that he is, um, you know, like using bits of truth as parts of lies, right? He's the father of lies. Right, right. No, I, th- I think so too. Um, and I think that it's more like we saw him hanging in the mirror. We've previously seen him with his eye missing in several different alternate realities. Um, mm. I think this is just foreshadowing the Finn personally. Yeah, I did. I did like the uh, foreshadowing the hanging. I was actually kind of surprised that they foreshadowed that this early. Although I guess it's yeah. only one season away now. Maybe even a few episodes away because they probably will do that early in season three. Yeah, or maybe he stumbles through a door at the end of maybe that's the hook for, you know, the crazy thing that shows up at the end of the season finale. Hmm. That'd be fun. I like that. Do we get uh do we get the wound that won't heal this season, you think? Well, some people are are wondering if Matt, you know, that what we see, the vision with Min, uh with man random Matt, whether that is Linked to that, like hmm, maybe because he, he poisons him with the the Shadow Logoth dagger. Yeah, perhaps, or it could even be that someone else has stabbed him, and and Matt's like helping him take it out or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we know the Forsaken can change their forms, right? So maybe Ishmael is pretending to be Matt. Ishmael even showed up as Matt in this episode. Yeah, that's true. Although that was, I guess, it was hallucination, but still, I think I think Ishi can do that. But only in Teleron Riyadh, right? I don't know. I wonder if they'll incorporate Teleron Riyadh as part of the sky business. Like, the, yeah. What, what would be cool is if they said reflections of the dream world are in the sky right now. Yeah, that could be. Or I'm. I was also wondering if they could just be like on a cliff and it just looks that way because of the mist that shows up when the horn's blown. Ooh, that would be cool too. I think there's a lot of ways they could get around it. I don't. I'm not too worried. I think as long as it's not stupid, it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> a big yeah. big if, right? Yeah. Um. So I can't wait to hear how David reacts to meeting uh, Bane and Chiad, especially the demonstration of Gito. Yes, you- that was super good. Super super good. Um, with uh them <laughs> beating on. Avienda because oh yeah our friend died all right let's get on with it you know just very matter of fact this is just business yeah and 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 Perrin goes to defend her they go don't yeah (laughs) although I did think it's funny they just like they immediately trust him they left all their weapons at his feet (laughs) yeah yeah so it looks like there's hope for Gaul after um the uh Rafe Judkins a showrunner he had an AMA today and um he kind of basically implied that Gaul might very well be coming in the future. Oh, good. We like yeah. Gaul. He's, he, we stand Gaul. Yeah, no, I'm happy for Gaul. I wish someone had asked about Eludra, though, because I stand her even more. <laughs> yeah, I think she's, uh, she's an excellent character, and I hope that she's included. And I really, I think we've said this on a previous White Tower segment, but I, I think that she represents something unique in the story, which is technology will develop in each of these ages. And it, and it will go in cycles. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I like that whole plot with the technology development um, and the whole institute that they set up. I hope they do that. And also the way she's introduced in a very silly way, but ends up being an important character, you know, Rand's yeah. accidental lighting of fireworks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they still could meet on the road next season, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. No <clears throat> fireworks for a wedding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No wedding. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, yeah. Speaking of uh, Karen, uh, Leandrin, she was at the groom to be's house colder than ever after the loss of her son. Uh, she's basically like, oh, I remember Moraine at that age. Kill her. Um, so we got the Barthanis reveal, but he's not dead yet. And some people right. were wondering if Anver might be a dark friend. I knew she wasn't, and she doesn't seem to be. Um, in the AMA today, Rafe Judkin said that Anver is the character who he finds most interesting in terms of stuff happening this season to set up future storylines. So I'm I'm thinking she will play the role Colaver played in the books. Okay. Okay. I like that. I think that that's good. I think that keeping her around would be great. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm wondering if uh, Barthanis is going to die next episode or if that's just going to be something picked up next season. Yeah. And I kind of, it, it feels a little sudden what they did with Barthanis. I, I guess they kind of hinted at it, but uh, I'm glad it's at least out in the open now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised. I was surprised that he was going to go through with it. But I guess, you know, if you go back and rewatch the earlier episodes, there's something sinister in a lot of his interactions. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, there's something creepy crawly about it. Right. Um, and they also, speaking of looking shady, there were some lingering shots on Joya, the um, the bald Sedai of the Grey Aja. So I guess they're setting up, you know, okay. her story in the books is that she kind of ends up getting tied up and ultimately killed um, as part, part of the tear plot. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm wondering if um, they're setting that up for, uh, for next season or uh, what's up with the tear plot in general, because... Yeah, we've talked about this before. This is supposed to be books two and three this season, and it feels very book two. I know. I I almost am questioning what they think they took from book three, but I think it's mostly Rand's like Avienda being introduced. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know a few other things, but it's really yeah, yeah. No fail though. No fail for anybody. No, no. Yeah. I was wondering if Saldea might show up, but it seems like too much to introduce. Yeah, so we speaking of shady looking people, we got several shots of Joya, um, and she plays an important role in the uh, tear plot where, you know, she's she's a big dark friend there. So I've got to wonder if they're setting that up for next season, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we got I love the thruple democracy moment uh, where it turns out, yeah, uh, uh, Alana's vote is equal with her warders, which I think is an important character building moment. Also interesting that uh, mm-hmm. Ivan doesn't trust Viren, so I want him to sign up for the uh, Black Aja hunters. Um, that would be good. He's He certainly has a nose for it. Yeah. Yeah. Lan had a good arc this episode. Uh, first, we yeah, got him finally talking to Rand about some sword forms, even if, you know, that's maybe that's the only nod we get to him training him. But um, it was interesting. Of course, we got the iconic cat crosses the courtyard. Um but it was also interesting, the other form, when Ran whipped the sword over his head to take it away, he Lan called it Heron Dips the Wing, which might be, I'm wondering if it's a show version of Heron waiting in the rushes, which in the um, Great Hunt book, in the finale in Falm, um, is a, it, that's how he gets the wound, is he does that on purpose uh, so that he can, um, you know, expose himself, but then 
get the stab in. Um, so that yeah. would be a good way to do that. I think that um, we we definitely need. I think it would be cool if it was Ishmael to give him the wound because I think that 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 will be their initial link. It's uh, it's Harry Potter with the Voldemort scar, right? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to have that link to to have the satisfying payoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and Lan finally fixed the most annoying discourse on Twitter, which is whether or not Moraine was stilled. <laughs> she was shielded. I told you. <laughs> um, but I yeah, like I mean, I, I did not expect her to stay stilled at all. I, I yeah. don't know why anybody would if they knew the books. Um, yeah. If, if, you know, if you're only show, then maybe. But uh, the books, yeah. She was yeah, and they, they made it clear with the weaves. Um, but it was interesting to learn that in the show version, uh, tying off was a weave of legend. So, yeah, um, that's different because uh, yeah. I guess in the in the books, it's known. It's just not yeah. known how to maybe do some more complex weaves than that. So I guess that's why Lan was asking the other a week. Maybe he was already noodling over this because he was like, "Is it? What do you think about these weaves that have been, you know, of legend? Um, when when Alana and Co were getting really suspicious of him being a dark friend. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was already thinking that this was a possibility. Yeah, I didn't like that he lied to Loghain, even though, of course, I want Loghain to go back to the tower because that's where his story should take him. Um, And of course, I want him to be examined by two brown sisters desperate to study a man who can channel who, I don't know, Varen or Yasuko or Adelaus? Oh, good question. Uh, So you think he's going to kill Adelaus? Maybe. Uh, All right. No, I don't know. Well, I mean, a lot of people are wondering if Varen will kill Adelaus because she's compelled Maybe. by the shadow. Maybe. Um, yeah, but speaking be. of uh, people, we don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah, people are not going to be happy with Swan after this episode. No, um, and uh, I think people will be questioning, is she working for the shadow? But no, she's not. No. She's just being an Aes Sedai dick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I guess like this might be setting up a reason why she would be deposed and stilled, you know. Um, and giving us a reason why we might want that because will if Swan is stilled the oath that she swore with Moraine I guess that's no longer Moraine no longer has to obey her then is that true because I don't think we've seen that in reverse before um yeah I don't know because we saw both of their like they've both channeled together on the oath rod to make that oath so I wonder if they both need to have the power in order to hold it yeah, I'm good with your logic. I just, yeah. uh, I'm not sure if they'll do it, but they could. Yeah, we'll see. They could, Fingers it crossed. would be satisfying, I think. Fingers crossed. And also, the way Rand was crouching, did it give you, like, box uh, feelings? Oh, he's going right in the box. That's going to yeah. happen for sure. But it felt like they were intentionally kind of foreshadowing it. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, and Viren, you know, Ivan might suspect her, but Viren came through as the good guy this episode. Uh, it was interesting that they that she used an Ogier map of the city to find um, that Waygate mm-hmm. because in that's a nod to the beginning of the great hunt where um, they, they look for an Ogier map, uh, but it turns out that the city has been rebuilt is no longer an Ogier city. It, interesting that they said an Ogier setting once stood in the city center. So mm. d- does that mean like a, they call an Ogier grove a setting in the show and there's no setting with, you know, magic free zones. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a good question because are they, are they conflating them? And that, that's an important detail because that's been used a few times to do important things. Right. Right. So I'm really wondering about that because there was also a previous AMA where 
uh, Rafe Judkins said we would see a steading this season. And I'm like, oh, please tell me that's not it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, guess I hope maybe- that we don't see a steading. I, I mean, I hope that we do see a setting and it's not that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might be, um, you know, the Eyes Without Pity chapter where Hopper dies, but nope. Right. Hopper's still going strong. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling Hopper's going to go out a hero in the next episode. Um, you said that the last three, though. So I he's, know, he's I know. Outlasted your odds every I'm time. I'm not. I'm not trying to kill Hopper. I love Hopper. And it's going to break my are. heart. But maybe it's also like waiting for the ram- band aid to be ripped off. Um, so what what do you absolutely need to see in the finale? I need to see the battle in the sky at some point. It doesn't need to be actually in the sky, but I do need some kind of confrontation between Rand and Ishi. Um, I don't need to see Ishmael defeated. You know, we could see him kind of fade away or, you know, bide time. That would be fun. And yeah. um, I want to see a resolution of the dagger thing with Matt. Yeah. I want to see I want him um, to a resolution of Gwaine. She's got to be freed. And then I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. I don't need to see a ton in the finale. Yeah. I think that, well, I hope, and, and I would love to see the Heroes of the Horde. Yeah, yeah. And I hope uh, Massima pops back up. I guess he's still with us, Sean Chan, but I want him to witness mm. the battle in the sky so we can get our Prophet era beginning. Yeah, that honestly, that was an exhausting plot line for me. Yeah, and I didn't but it's going it to be cut down much so a, much. Yeah, all right. Maybe, maybe it'll be fine. And it's important in Aram's... As much as I don't yeah. like the, that turn that a plot line takes, it's important in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I'm confident at least we know that they are all like basically in Falm. I don't know what's up with Min. I hope we at least get a glimpse of her. Um, but the rest of them are ready for a final battle. So I feel I feel good about the finale going in. You? I feel great. I think it's going to be a great time. I've been loving this season. Not a bad episode yet. So let's hope that they stick the landing and we just get excited for season three. Great. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. All right, Alicia, I will see you on the next White Tower segment. Until then, see you later. May the light be with you. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.